The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> OBS is wigging out, so I'm really hoping this is not going to be a, a <laughs> short stream. <laughs> Uh, I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at uh, News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at uh, CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you have just heard come from another, another, none other than our man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yes. Uh, and this here is the Combo Chronicles, as has been said. And you can find this here uh, podcast on the Coles Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the or the Coles Leather Podcast uh, pages, Spotify page, uh, SoundCloud page, excuse me. <laughs> you can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the, the uh, YouTube channel of The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and smash that like bot- button and the notification button. Gia. Uh, so, yeah, folks, we are going to get into uh, a recap. Uh, we're going to ring the spoiler bell, rest assured, of uh, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, Episode 7, the finale of The Book of Boba Fett. Right, so we're going to be spoiling uh, spoiling essentially the entirety of The Book of Boba Fett series and probably involving spoilers of all, of the deeper Star Wars canon and lore. So uh, if you're not interested in being spoiled uh, you know spoiled you know uh, of the con spoiled as regards to the content of at the very least this series the book of Boba Fett please fast forward or uh, put your fingers in your ears and say la 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 for a little while after I ring the spoiler bell in three two one spoilers incoming So, yes, uh, this episode is called uh, In the Name of Honor. And like I said, it is the finale. Although, well, I guess we'll get into that. 
Um, so we start off in Mas Espa, uh, in the um, in the the bombed out uh, club of Garza Garza Flips. Uh, Boba Fett is there with Fennec Shand and uh, Din Djarin. And he's like, uh, we're at war. And and uh, so this <laughs> he basically was like, yeah, this started sooner than we thought it would, huh? Um, uh, Mando's basically is like, yeah, Freetown's composer come, in, come here with the, with us, with some of his people. Uh, of course, not knowing what happened to um, Cobb uh, Vanth. Uh, near the end of the last episode, uh, where he got he got a uh, shot in the arm, uh, so he doesn't know anything about it. And, and Boba's like, "You sure they're coming?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm sure." <laughs> Again, not knowing what happened, which uh, we we'll, which hold that also hold that thought like so later on because that brings up a, uh, an is- slight issue I had. Anyway, uh, Boba Boba's like, uh, "If they don't show, we got problems," which. Yeah, because they don't have that many people. They got the mods, which they're pretty much useless. They got Fennec Shan, who you know she's good on her own. And got and you got um, Mando and uh, Chrysanthemum, which you know right. on their own they're good, but they can take out whole a whole armies of people. Right, and I and and we have to remember, just as a as an aside, that um, what we have here are a group of specialists. Like you know, this is like a special forces right. group, like essentially a Star Wars A-Team. And every once in a while, for those of you of a certain vintage who grew up watching the A-Team, the A-Team did, in fact, need the help of the people they had been hired to help themselves in order to overcome Mm -hmm. uh, a force with superior numbers. And that is the case in this episode. Right. I mean, you got two, basically two Mandalorians, uh, an assassin, a Wookiee, (laughs) <laughs> right you know, there's your a-team yeah you you've got you you got a crew there you know that can do make some things happen but like age of seven said you know can't do it alone in certain cases right. Ew. you know they could just be overwhelmed by superior numbers and that's essentially what the uh the pike syndicate hoped to do here and that kind of happens but we're gonna say that uh so yeah so um, Boba says, "Hey, we can go. We can go back to the the, the palace and hold up there." And then Drash uh, is like, "No, we're staying here. You can go back to your run back to your palace if you want to." And then Boba just kind of like, "Okay, uh, we'll stay here." You know, because I guess either he figured, you know, well, yeah, in, in order to get the, the respect of the people, he's got to make their stand there or something. We don't know, but he just kind of looked and was like, well, "All right." And it was between. Trash and the other, other the other dude who's uh thrashing, thrashing trash. I, I actually I can't remember the other dude's name. But regardless, the other dude that's usually with him was like, "No, we're staying here. This is our home." So, um, cut to Cad Bane meeting up with the Kite Pikes uh, Syndicate, um, with uh, the mayor who we thought was off world, uh, but who apparently wasn't. Uh, the leader of the Pikes and a couple of other people. Uh, the leader of the Pikes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so basically the, the pike leader was like, uh, well, bank cat bank comes in, the pike leader was like, you did your job. Like, yeah. And then for some strange reason, which I thought was kind of crazy, uh, silly, uh, uh, the, the pike leader pretty much lets, lets it be known that it was not the biker gang that was originally thought. Uh, that took out the Gungans. I mean, excuse me, the Gungans, Lord. Uh, the Tuscans. <laughs> <laughs> we wish it was the Gungans. Oh no, the Tuscans. Oh that, um, no, was messing with. Yeah, no, right. 
Um, uh, but I feel like some kind of way, shape, or form, we kind of knew the pikes were behind us. I feel like we even said as much because it's like that's kind of weird for the Biker King, especially when the fact that you know the the uh, the pikes pretty much got attacked by those 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 uh, Tuscans uh, early on in the season. So we kind of figured. I mean, the at pikes... the same time, right? At the same time, though, I kind of thought that the pikes had hired the biker gang. So sure, ultimately. Ultimately, you know, the what the what the uh, what the ruse was was that uh, they had passed the blame onto the biker gang. But right. uh, you know, at least in my in my line of thinking, I thought it was you know just a simple to for the pikes to hire right. the uh, the biker gang to take them out, just so that right. they wouldn't have to get their hands dirty. But right. it turns Which, out that they don't mind getting their hands dirty to a certain extent. Right, but they but also you know putting on some on somebody else is is not outside of their moves either. So yeah, so we come so we find that out. Cad Baines knows this. Uh but apparently Boba Fett doesn't yet. Um so Cad Bane kinda takes this information like, huh, we know and we know if you've if you've known Cad Bane, he is not one to let some stuff just slide. So <laughs> So you kind of figure it's like, yeah, that was the dumbest thing to do to tell him that. And sure enough, that ends up happening. That ends up being a problem. So then we cut to an X-Wing uh, approaching Mas Espa. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was Luke. Same here. Um, so but the, the X-Wing just so happens to go into Pelimato's uh, uh, hangar. Uh, and she starts scrambling around like she's got contraband. And, and was like, no, no, get rid of stuff. Get rid of this. Because she thought it was... Uh, uh, the New Republic uh, uh, officers, and and not you know the the familiar character we would know from you know in a in the X Wing. Right, do... she thought that Oppo was gonna be in the X Wing, <laughs> and he was gonna say, "Stop." Nice. So, so I'm, I, you just don't know how happy I am to know that he's he's <laughs> watched um, Kim's convenience all the way through. Um, but yes, because and the reason why we figured we we thought it was Luke also is because we see you know when the shot comes in we see R two and the and the, and the uh, Astromoid Extra Omec pit uh, mm-hmm. in the back of it. So you kind of you kind of figure, but it comes out it's not him. He's it's R two basically chauffeuring um, one baby Grogu, aka Grogu, baby Yoda, excuse me, aka Grogu, uh, back to the Mandalorian, which basically means that uh, the choice he made was the ball and not the sword. Although, um, Agent 70 said before the show like we, that we don't know whether he didn't take the sword. I'm still kind of convinced that they, they probably would have shown it if he had, but we, he's mm-hmm. kind of right to where they did not show that. So, or where right. they did not you know, pull that out. But there's another reason, but there's something else we'll get to later about uh, on that point also. Anyway, um, I like how this article is like Baby Yoda chose wisely. Um, so yeah, so at this point, like I said, um, Pelly is like, um, Pelly finds out Grogu's name and she was like, Well, I'm not gonna call you that. And of course, we all know why, why, why that was the case <laughs> because fans don't like uh, Grogu's name, right. right? Yeah, I mean, there's some meta commentary right there in the mm-hmm. in, in the writing of this particular episode. Totally. So then we cut to um, what ends up being, well, I guess uh, Boba and crew staging staging their their front. But apparently the the battle 
came to them early, um, as we will find out, because uh, the mods were pretty much ahead. Boba had people in different places. So the mods were in one place. Chrysanthemum was in one place. And um, the Grimorian guards, which that's a whole nother problem I had. We'll get to that, too. Uh, are at the spaceport. So people were in positions, but um, um, we will find out what happens to them in a minute. Uh, Boba's basically says, you know, Boba's back at the, the sanctuary and and was like, hey, you know, we're good here. Nobody can sneak up on us. And sure enough, Cad Payne does end up, indeed sneak up on them as the uh, protocol droid tells them, like, hey, somebody's outside to see you. Um... And like I said, we see is is Cad Bane who comes with a message, and this is when Cad Bane tells Boba, basically comes with a message saying, "Hey, you know, leave and everything will be cool," and then tells Boba that it was the Pike Syndicate that uh, that took out the Tuscans, which obviously you know get, makes uh, Boba kind of feel some things, and he starts to kind of he's he's ready to go. And uh, apparently, Finnick Chan could, could sense this. It was like, nope, we're going to do so on our turn. Cause, and and uh, Cad Bane was like, Lo, let's do this. Let's just go ahead and do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's definitely egging Boba Fett on in this sequence because he knows that this is a, an opportunity that he can try to exploit. And if, that uh, Boba Fett is acting irrationally because of uh, intense emotions. So. Exactly. And not only that, because he knows Boba, he has known Boba for quite a while because of Clone Wars. And in fact, um, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that because there was a, so I was watching a video when they said like, like, yeah, there was a, there was an actual um, uh, unfinished show that was never aired that where um, Cad Bane was supposed to, I don't know what that is. Uh, was supposed to mentor um, Boba, a young Boba, but that never got finished. But the, the, some stuff is out there on that, apparently. Wow, that was a long one. I know, right? I, I so folks, if you're hearing a strange noise on the um, on the audio, I, we don't know what that is. It's it's a weird. Yeah, we apologize yeah. Uh, profusely for that because it just started tonight and it's just very weird. Yeah. So and we've double checked all of our connections, so it's 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 definitely odd. Right. But um, so, yeah. all right. So where are you? Um. So Cad Bane and 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 uh, Boba showdown. Phoenix trying to talk Boba down because Got she it. don't want him doing anything rash. Um. But then Cad Bane leaves. Uh. After not after you know, unsuccessfully provoking Boba, even though this it, Boba was kind of ready to go too. Um, uh, but then again, he goes back inside and then that's when we find out it's a trap. Oh no, that's correct. It is. And, and, uh, I need to get my, uh, my particular sound for that up. It's a trap. Because at this point, all of Boba Fett's best laid plans have all gone to poop because it seems like the Pike Syndicate has decided to start the party a little early. So at mm-hmm. this point, Boba Fett hears on the communications that uh, there that um, the the teams that were uh, mentioned earlier by Roddy Cat are all being jumped. 
the bug boys are attacking the mod squad. That's Lizards, the uh, the Trandoshans are after uh, Black Chrysanthemum. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, there are some dudes who are literally pushing Gamorian guards off, the, the two Gamorian guards off a cliff. So stupid. So it was stupid. awful. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, we'll, we'll get into why that is so stupid. It was awful. Still, yeah. Right. Well, Fennec at least jumps in to save the mod squad. Right, so you know what? Let's go ahead and get into it. Right, so so Boba's like, "Yo, can we need to take out?" Uh, well, Finnick was like, "We need to take out control operations." And then the other dude, that's the um, the major domo, was like, "Well, I know where they're hold. Well, where they're holding out." So he finally tells them. Finnick was like, "Phew, she's out there. She and um, she's out." Uh, she does end up saving the mods uh, on her way to the place. Unfortunately, the Gamorrean guards guards get pushed off a goddamn cliff. Like mm-hmm. bitches. I'm sitting here like this doesn't make. <laughs> they didn't even go out fighting. They just right. got pushed back. Just got pushed back. Now, granted, we didn't see the bodies hit the floor. They could, maybe they oh, they no. landed on the. I don't have landed. I don't have a sound clip of that song. That's fine. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. That's fine. <laughs> but. We all we heard was a kind of a Wilhelm type scream and them falling. Um, but maybe they made it. I doubt it very seriously. But maybe they made it. Then maybe there was like some something called them like a net or something. We don't know. Um, but regardless, I thought that was so stupid. Like we know they could fight. We seen them right in the first episode. They could have fought back. It was only like four or five of them against two of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, regardless. Um, so. Back at the uh, back at the ranch uh, or the 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 the, the sanctuary the sanctuary yes <laughs> right um, so at the sanctuary Boba Fett and the Mandalorian are kind of discussing uh, what their plan is and Boba Fett says hey I don't blame you if you want to bounce at this point and Mando says it's against the creed essentially saying that is not the way mm-hmm. Boba Fett doesn't exactly agree with this and that. Um, uh, he says that they'll most likely die when the pikes come back. And Mando replies, we'll both die in the name of honor. So, and the so pike, Mando's, Mando's the pike. a real G. He's trying to go out like Butch and Sundance. He was like, Boom, I'm with you to the end, motherfucker. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> to the end. You know, so uh, the pike syndicate comes back and um, the, the major domo, the mayor's major domo, says that, uh, you know, he's going to try to come out and negotiate on behalf <laughs> of uh, Boba and Mando. And uh, in, in a way where they might have to grovel their way out, but at least they'll be able to get out. Right. And hold on. And, not, but not before him saying where he he's he studied at Coruscant and, and talked about his accent, uh, his uh, his Twilight accent not being. You know, and still kind of sort of being there because the, and that that is a, a point that has come up in Clone Wars before in Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh, you mean they're all sort of French or or English or something? Yes, they have some sort of dialect, but they lose it when they're off world. We've seen it with Hera, you know, mm, and, and, mm. and other folks. I think sounded French to me. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but also right. they also have a language where they, you know, they they don't, you know. They, mm-hmm. they speak on Ryloth or whatever the case may be. So, right. so he kind of took no, took note of that and was like, and right. then got sent out. <laughs> Which I, I I was laughing because of the fact that when he actually went out there and and gave the demands, <laughs> Boba was like, Boba was like, all right, give me the type of, I'll, I'll give you my demands. Which like, apparently he didn't read before he uh, went out there to them. Um, mm-hmm. 
And um, and so the major domo went out there and started reading his demands and got to the point to where it got to the point. <laughs> and it was like, I do, and I, I will give nothing. Which apparently, uh, some, as some some folks have noted, is a callback to like uh, Godfather. Imperator does a couple of Godfather references in this whole in this episode. Not outside of that bombing from last one, but anyway. Um, and then uh, Boba and Mando use this opportunity to realize they have jetpacks and start start uh, start the fight. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. It yes. really was at this point. I was like, oh yeah, yes, they do have those jetpacks now. Before we move on, I wanted to mention that um, obviously live action is different from animation in many regards. Chiefly among those, though, with respect to these Mandalorian jetpacks is that we have seen these jetpacks have very different capabilities. In the Clone Wars, in Rebels, we've seen these jetpacks be able to, you know, carry Mandalorians for very long periods of time mm-hmm. and maintained some air superiority. Mm-hmm. In this case, I thought they landed way too soon. They could have been zipping around, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, for a while right. taking out people, you know, left and right and underneath, mm-hmm. but they decided to land and take a very, uh, a position that was very much contrary to what Obi-Wan tells Anakin. <laughs> the high ground. And, yes. Right. So it's it's just kind of mm-hmm. unnerving and, and, and just unsettling to think that they have this advantage and they just don't use it. And it's probably because of budgetary constraints that do not exist in animation. Yeah, and not only, exactly. Not only that, because and the only time we've seen Boba Fett with his, uh, well, the only other time we've seen Boba Fett use his jump, uh, his jetpack, was him getting face planted into the Sonic pit and using it as a, as a big jump. <laughs> right outside of animation. right 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 because it gets it, it gets activated by accident when uh when han mm-hmm. uh, uh knocks into him or something mm-hmm. if i recall for on the barge but yeah yeah and everything so. but uh, yes everything you said w- was on the money like they we've seen it a little bit more in the mandalorian than 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 not but yeah it, that was ridiculous and not only that when they landed t- took a bunch of shots and st- and started taking pot the people started taking pot shots as it that would have been the time to be like all right we need to take back to the air and, and move around not stay mm-hmm. in one place and, and and act like butch and sundance right well at this point uh mando and boba fett are displaying all the different weapons that they have at their disposal on their uh, Mandalorian armors, you know, their respective Mandalorian armors. Yep. And while that's cool, it's great, you know, it's like, oh, here's a knee shot, here's an ankle yeah, shot, here's an see... elbow shot, yeah, here's a wrist shot. Knee shot. But yeah. at the same time, I'm sorry? No, I was saying we finally get the, the knee rockets. Right. But at the same time, they're each taking massive hits on their best car armor. Mm. And you're just thinking, so you're not just going to stand there taking these shots. Right. Even if you have Kevlar, you don't stand there taking the shots. <laughs> so, you know, I, part of me is just like, what, 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 what's going on here? Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, they're getting uh, uh, slowly but surely, uh, Pummeled because that's essentially what it is. These laser bolts are not penetrating, but they're essentially suffering from the um, the, the 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 kinetic energy that these bolts are delivering. Right. That the the armor is only partially absorbing. 
you know, while the armor is definitely absorbing some, we're not talking about a steel vibranium alloy here like Captain America. Right. Right? Like Captain America's shield. It's a little bit different. So they are feeling every hit that they're, that they're, that, uh, that they're absorbing. Right. So at this point, uh, a form of the cavalry arrives right because it wouldn't be the it won't be the first time in this episode by the way true because what we see is um uh a speeder a larger speeder with a group of uh townspeople from freetown aka moss pelgo right so uh they arrive because they say well how could they not especially because they're looking to um take revenge on the pikes for having for 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 what happened to Cobb Vant at the end of the previous episode. And I need so the townspeople to jump that, in. But I need people to remember that because there's a I have a nitpick about that at the end of this. Right. So uh, so ultimately they you know they they're looking to take revenge upon the pikes for what happened to Cobb Vant. Mm-hmm. It's left it, we're left to assume at this point that Cobb Vant is very much dead and uh, despite what we actually saw on screen right. which is making and, sense well i mean you know roddy cat can just continue to interrupt me because uh <laughs> you know at the end of the day you know we'll get to the to, to how how you know how that uh part of the story wraps itself but continuing on the uh the the townspeople uh basically use their large speeder as cover to uh to shelter uh boba fett and the mandalorian meanwhile the mods are able to uh retreat from their position after having been saved by fennec and uh they also take cover behind the behind the speeder and and uh we also have uh black chrysanthemum making his way back very slowly but surely after having fought off the 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 the, the mass of trandoshans who were after him and basically they uh they all take cover behind the speeder but then hold on, hold we have you, hold on, hold a flashback on, hold, on, hold on hold on hold on i do have to interrupt you on this part because i will i want to that that's another thing that bothered me because when chris chrysanthemum was limping his ass down the street he was still taking out folks as he was limping. Nobody was helping him until he fell. I'm sitting here like, okay, he's coming down the street. They see him coming down the street. Nobody's giving him cover, you know, but, but he's still like bloop, bloop, you know, while he's limping his way out. And it was only until he got like two feet away from the speeder. That's when, that's when somebody decided to, 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 to roll out and help him. Right. I mean, it's a, you know, you're in the middle of a firefight, so it's a little difficult to figure out who, you know, like, you know, cover who would be who would be the person to go out there, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to argue. I definitely agree with you on that uh, because I definitely noticed that. too. It's like, wait, what are they waiting for? Go out and get them. Right. But here at this point, everyone's taking cover behind the speeder, the over the overly large speeder. But then we have a flashback to. Uh, a scene from the very first prequel movie because it's not uh, Obi-Wan and um, and his master Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon yeah. but it is these uh, this ragtag group of Tatooine uh, defenders 
who run into droids. When I didn't realize that they were called Scorpionic droids. I didn't either. But I first. think they, I think they, I think they use that in. I want to say they use that in the in, in the the subtitles. I may Probably. have seen it, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. So from what I understand, these are the, this is the first time those droids have been seen in live action, and they come from the droid encyclopedia. Okay. Right. But they're basically well, the droid deck, they're okay. basically upgraded droid okay. deckers. Right. I mean, I don't remember the names, but at the end of the day, these strongly resemble the the basic uh, the basic uh, gist of the droids that I was re- referencing from episode one. Mm-hmm. In that they have twin, uh, they have twin arms with uh, with laser cannons mounted on them, as well as force shields. Yeah, they're basically force tank fields. busters, from what I from what I understand. Say again? They're basically tank busters, from what I understand. Okay, but ultimately, that's the that's the defining characteristic is that they have force fields that the blasters wielded by the Tatooine defenders are unable to penetrate. Mm-hmm. So that makes things very tough on uh, on our on our band of misfit heroes. Boba Fett launches his one missile, and that doesn't work. The Mandalorian even tries to use a dark saber. No luck to get. No luck in getting through that force field. So um, at this point, they all have to scatter and try to uh, and try to get away from the um, the the Scorpionex because the Scorpionex are about to overrun their position. In the chase, who shows up but um, Pelimato? Uh, oh, I forgot the actress's name. Uh, Amy Sedaris. No, it's not, Amy uh, Sedaris. Okay, I think that is. I think it's Amy Sedaris. Okay, so so Amy Sedaris shows up on a rickshaw, and who does she have in tow with her? None other than Grogu, of course. And the Mando and Mando is elated. Grogu literally does a little mini force jump into his arms, and we <laughs> get a nice little reunion here, and. Uh, and you know, and, and it's heartwarming and whatnot, but uh, you know, it, it's it, it's something that can't that 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 has to wait because the uh, the Scorpionek is about to uh, to mow them down. They do the the, the Scorpionek droid does in fact take out the uh, the rickshaw that they're on, but then, and I'm going to hand it off to Rodicat here. So then. In what honestly, so okay, so the part of this was uh, well, one, um, Boba told Mando to uh, look after folks while he goes get some reinforcements, and, and Mando kind of reminded him, was like, Well, you don't have any, any, any friends left, but come to find out, there was one other person, there was one other uh, um, uh, uh, thing that was left. And that was, right, and it was something that was teased early on in this show mm-hmm. that. Was that did actually pay off uh, in the last episode of the series? Yep, and here comes Boba Fett riding a rancor, basically, on top of the building to save uh, the to uh, to save the day. So, um, you know, he and the rancor pretty much make short-ish work of one of the uh, droids. Uh, even going so far as it, well, with a little help from Mando, of course, because like they, the 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 rancor kind of 
brought the shields down to a point to where Mando could get through, which brings me to a real quick point. Back in the Clone Wars, they figured out how to get past the droid shield. And I'm sitting here like, how in the world did this, this knowledge did not get past along? Because we've seen Ahsoka just roll a detonator, um, a, a thermal detonator through the shields and blow them up. This 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 uh this was not passed on. Nevertheless, we got a cool fight scene with a with a droid and and uh, Rancor. Even uh, Boba Fett was like, "Do it!" When the Rancor just ripped him up, ripped him in half uh, before going to um, help the other others who was trapped by the other uh, droid. Uh, so yeah, Boba Fett riding a droid, which I guess I totally forgot about. Honestly, was a thing. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. So yeah. Um, Baby Yoda also helps by pulling out a bolt. Um, um, and yeah, so you know everybody kind of does a little bit of something. Um, uh, and then they go take out the other, um, the other droid, and then Cad Bane kind of comes along and stares down a Rancor, stares down Boba and the Rancor, and shoots it with a flamethrower, bastard. <laughs> because apparently Rancors are um, scared of fire. So Boba gets thrown off of the Rancor uh, and is on the ground and, and Cad Bane and Boba have their showdown. We already know who won that fight, but um, not with that. Well, we, we the initial fight, I should say, because obviously Cad Bane, you know, fastest gun in the West or, or the East test West Tatooine. But uh, he and Boba kind of have a little, have a little chat before that happens, and then Boba ends up taking him down with a with his gaffy stick, and spears him in the chest. We don't know if he's alive or dead. I'm going to assume he's still alive because it's Gad Bane, and he's done. I doubt if he's going to die that quickly. Right. That's really what you know, and and, and just a, uh, uh, just a little bit in uh, a little bit. A moment to interject here. Many, many of these characters take a whole ton of damage. Uh-huh. You know, Black Chrysanthemum among them. And mm. it seems like this, you know, would would be a fatal blow. But knowing these characters, they generally do take a lot of damage. So it seems like that is not something that would be that would prove to be the ultimate fate of Cad Bane. A lot of people, my understanding is that a lot of people complained online about uh, this, uh, about how Cad Bane went out, but ultimately we're not sure if this is in fact the last time we're going to see the character. Right. Uh, carry on. Yeah. I, and I don't know, people are making notes to, to the thing he's got on his chest or whatever. Not, but I, yeah, I seriously don't think that Cad Bane is done man by one stick in the chest. Um, mm-hmm. I suspect not. So yeah, so the the droids are done. Cad Bane is down. My rematch, my uh, rematch with Cad Bane and Fennec Shan doesn't happen, but we do get to see. Um... Oh wait, no, because this is when we go to the the Rancor that was running wild. I forgot about that part. So yeah, right. The, the droids are destroyed. The Rancor is kind of running rampant around the 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 um, city until it gets to a certain point uh, with Mando and uh, Baby Yoda and them. Uh, Mando's like, hold on, stay here. I'll take care of this. He tries to, to ride the Rancor, gets thrown off and gets gets taken out. Well, not taken out, but taken down kind of real right. quickly. 
Right. Um, Pause right here just for a second. There are a couple of interesting uh, callbacks and references during this entire sequence, including uh, to King Kong, of all things, because the Rancor climbs up a small tower in the middle of Moss Espa, and it it is very, very, very reminiscent Mm -hmm. of the original King Kong climbing up the Empire State Building. And even Mando saying, you're scaring it. You're scaring it because the mods are trying to shoot and some of the Freetown um, uh, 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 soldiers are shooting at the Rancor because they're scared. They just don't get it. They don't understand that it is on their side. It's supposed to be on their side. So um, it is very much a callback to King Kong and, you know, know, one of the original movie monsters. Mm -hmm. Carry on. So yeah, so the the after that um the the rancor kind of comes down and kind of comes at uh, everybody but uh baby Yoda swoops in and puts him to sleep with the force and very adorably curls up right next to him and goes to sleep himself cuz he got tuckered out using the force <laughs> all with the, with the force was being used. It was it was very cute. Um as it's supposed to be. So then we cut back to Moss Eisley, where the, the, the leader of the Pike Syndicate and folks are holed up. But then we see everybody in there get taken out by, gets taken out by uh, Fennec Shan, including um, the mayor gets strangled, gets, gets strung up and strangled. And the leader of the Pike Syndicate gets stabbed in the back because we know Fennec Shan is a rogue now. If you know your D and D, you know why that's, that's the thing. Um, yeah, she's, she's an assassin, tried yeah. and true. Sure. So she takes all of them out and then just dips out the building. And then um, that's pretty much it. Um, we get, well, I guess it, after this, it kind of cuts to um, cuts to the aftermath. Because we see um, uh, Boba and Fennec Shan walking down the street. Now, oh, there was one part I forgot to mention. Um, Boba had said that... Um, and this is going to come into something in a second. But Boba told Chrysanthemum, like, yeah, you could take a, a nice long um, uh, dip in the bath, uh, in the uh, back to tank uh, for what you've done, basically. But, you know, but at the end, of, but at this point, we don't, we still see him kind of hurt. So we don't know if that's going to actually happen. Um, so, yeah, we see Finnick and, and Boba walking down the street. Um, and people are kind of waving at him and, and, you know, thank him for what he's done. Cause I guess this is not that long after that, uh, the little rune fruit kind of comes back up as somebody comes and gives him, uh, gives him one. And he's still hurt. Cause he was even saying like, why is everybody about, you know, use their right? Because they, I guess he, cause he got hurt on his right side. Um, mm-hmm. and Finney makes a crack about how he should go back to the back to the tank. And he says, somebody's using it. So me thinking is Chrysanthemum, but we see, but we see right after this, uh, when he meets, when they meet back up with the mods and Chrysanthemum and apparently that little robot rabbit droid, uh, Pelimot and a couple of, and everybody, but Mando and, um, and Grogu, I think is pretty much kind of gathered around, uh, talking, uh, and I don't know if you did, did you've noticed it in this part, did Chrysanthemum look like he's, he had lost his right, uh, right hand or something? Because he caught the, the the fruit with his left hand, but it looked like his his right arm wasn't new. Obviously, he was hurt because of you know because of everything he went through. Right. But I, I thought because the shot made it look like he had lost his hand or something, and it could have been just I, like I, the 
Yeah, yeah. I was about to say I didn't look that carefully at it, so yeah, I'm gonna have to looked, go back and take a look. It looked weird for me. I was like, I said, I know he was hurt, but is it, it the way they had a, the, the the way they were looking at it? The, the 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 view of the shot looked like he had lost his hand or something. It was like weird to me, but you know, and it wasn't moving. But still, regardless. Anyway, um, so. I believe this is oh this is also when basically Boba's like I'm too old for this shit. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and and while he and uh, Fennec was talking, they were talking about well, um, you know somebody should be run somebody should run this place because we you know we we shouldn't do this and that's where I got the the he's <laughs> he's getting too old for this shit. Uh, and Fennec was like, well if not if you if not who you who, um. But we never find that out before the credits run. Uh, but we do get, uh, like I said, an end. Except for what well, the last shot we see, excuse me, is uh, the Mandalorian and Grogu out in space in the Naboo fighter, and Grogu's like tapping on the uh, tapping on the thing with the ball, and wanting uh, Mando to hit the Nas, which he finally relents to, and they go speeding off to. Right, we're left to not. We're we're left to guess at what Baby Yoda is trying or or what Grogu wants. Oh no, right? we, we're right. left to guess. No, no, we're left to guess with what he wants. What his as he's tapping, he's like, no. He's like, no. It's like, what what could he want from that cockpit, right? From the from the droid uh, uh, pit, right? Sure. What could he want? And then. You see, uh, uh, Mando manipulate the controls for that uh, that 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 jump that had been also teased. So we also get that payoff from that earlier scene in the episode, in the seer in the series, right? Which we've seen him hit the nos before, so it's not not the first time. But yeah, so 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 Grogu wanted to hit the nos one more time, so because apparently he had done it uh, for a bar already once, and that's when it ends. Until we get to the mid credit scene. Um, and, and this is what I have slight and a slight issue with also, but, uh, credits roll, roll, roll. And then we get to, um, we get to the chamber with the bantha with the, the back to tank and we skip a slow pan into it and we see who's in it. Then and we see Thundercats right there. Um, who plays oh! <laughs> which, Hey, by the way, I got a Thundercat shirt on anyway. Um, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see that. Uh, we see who's in the tank, and it's Cobb Vam, Vanth. Right. So we are not going to lose, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Cobb Vanth with the cool hair. Right. Because he is in the back of the tank, so he will be returning in this Mando corner of the uh, Star Wars universe. I was thinking they were trying to set him up for, for his own show or something. I'm like, does he deserve that, really? <laughs> no, but definitely just to retain him as a recurring character, I think. Sure. Right. So, and also because of the fact that Thundercat was there, meaning he's also getting modded. So, right. presumably he's probably going to get a new arm or or some sort of some sort of cybernetic for his arm. Um uh when he gets out of the the tank. Now, here's what else. Now, this is just me thinking this uh in in passing uh, and this is where I have a, a slight problem with this episode. So we mentioned the fact that Boba said that somebody needed to run this place. I and um I'm kind of wondering if they're setting it up to where Cobb is going to be the one that to run the place. And I'm sitting here like I don't know if that was deserved if that's what they're setting up. 
Like, yes, his people had helped decide the tide of battle, granted. Um, but if it wasn't for him to get shot in the first place, they wouldn't have been there. They probably wouldn't have been there. I mean, that's a, it's an interesting theory because, uh, you know, we can see how that could make sense. But at the same time, we definitely see in this episode more so than we have in the past, the ongoing conflict rivalry between the city dwellers and the country folk, Mm -hmm. which is very much, uh, you know, a very realistic thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is something that Cobb Vanth, the country marshal wants to do is get involved with the city life and the city dwellers. So at least from that perspective, I don't see that happening, but that's definitely a valid thought. I, I don't blame you for having that, uh, as a, as a working theory moving forward. Right. And, and yes, I thought about that also because, yeah, he probably wouldn't because, you know, his little corner of Tantooine, he's probably cool with with uh, just just dealing with that part. So, yeah, I, I also thought about that. But it was like it seemed kind of weird that they were seen to be mentioning the fact that, well, somebody needs to, to run this place. So and we don't know what's going to happen with Boba and Fennec because it sounds like they may or may not stay around. We don't know. We don't even know if the show is getting another season or not. Probably not. <laughs> but um. We don't know. There's some news on that later on, by the way, or not on that, but there's some news regarding something later on. So yeah. Um, overall, I don't know. I uh, so the reason as as uh, Agent Seventy Seven, I was interrupting so much. I had a lot of thoughts about this this uh, potential particular episode. Like I, it had some definitely good spots in it. Like that, the last half of it was pretty good up to a point. Obviously, I had some issues with a couple of things that happened, and boy, I wish a couple of other things would have happened in, in lieu of what did actually happen with some characters, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it ended, and we're you know we're we're kind of wherever we are with this. Like we, just, some people are saying like, yeah, we're back to square one. Like I don't know where we are. That doesn't you know, that ending doesn't necessarily mean anything outside of the fact that we know uh, Mandalorian season three coming. But that's that's that. That's a whole other thing outside of what's going on with Boba and Finnick. Right. We may not know exactly uh, whether or not there's going to be a season two of Book of Boba Fett until Fennec, uh, and uh, until uh, uh, Mandalorian season three actually proceeds. Sure. That, I think, makes some sense. You think like, like they'll show up there? Mm-hmm. And then kind of tease something they're going, yeah, that, that's that's very possible. Very likely. Um, so, yeah. We'll see on, on that. But, like I said, at this point, we don't know anything because there have been a couple of times where we have known whether a show has gotten another season by the time it ends in, in a couple of cases. So. Otherwise, that that's that. Um, Book of Boba Fett is wrapped. We have no more of that. We don't have anything, any other Mandalorian material until season three of that show happens sometime later this year. Mm-hmm. Actually, it might not even be that terribly long, but we don't. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a date at the, this point. Right, and because we're going to be getting in the intern, in the meantime, uh, we have an announcement that I think is in the news about Obi-Wan? for the next yes. Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, series that's about to uh, drop. Yes. yes, we do have that. Okay. 
All right. So that covers the Book of Boba Fett series and our review of Episode 7. We're just going to touch on very quickly on mm-hmm. Episode 7 of the Peacemaker series that is on HBO Max. Uh, again, spoiler alert. I'm going to ring the bell here because uh, if you don't want to be spoiled uh, even just a little bit, uh, with regards to Peacemaker, definitely tune out or fast forward. So here we go in three, two, one. Spoilers for Peacemaker incoming. So we get an interesting turn of events with regards to several characters in this episode. We get some final resolution when it comes to some characters, you know, for good and for bad. I will say that the White Dragon character has a pretty good amount of technology, despite the fact that a weakness in his uh, getup, his suit, is exploited during the episode as well. <laughs> yes, right. So, but but at the same, you know, at the same time, you're like, well, that's a that's an impressive level of technology that this guy is putting together. You know, I mean. It's definitely uh, a pretty advanced level of technology when it comes to the, what is it, the the, the folded dimensional, you know, the the pocket dimension that the sure. that that his workshop is in. That's obviously mm-hmm. very very advanced, mm-hmm. very uh, cutting edge. Peacemaker's so helmets. It's no surprise. I'm sorry. Peacemaker's helmets. Right, but it's no surprise that he's able to put together uh, 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 a super budget Iron Man type suit for himself. <laughs> Which that was the thing with that that whole suit thing was like kind of weird to me because so just like MCU Iron Man he he can fly in the suit but he's flying using the thrusters are coming out of his hands I guess you know almost like uh, and also his feet but if you look at the back of the suit which they'd only shown probably like once I think it looks like there was a space where a jetpack could have been. Like there was a, a enough of a notch that it could have been a jetpack. So I'm sitting here like, well, why you do, couldn't do that as opposed to having it coming out of your hand? That was my nitpick on it. I don't know anything about that. I, from, from what I understand, that's supposed to be a comic accurate suit. Like I don't know anything about that character though. Right. Um, but yeah, so like, as I just said, yeah, there's 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 some finality to a couple of characters. Uh, this is the penultimate episode, so it's also so it's leading up to the last episode and to where um, all opposing parties right. will meet in, in a certain place at a certain time, or not at a certain time. Right, uh, and w- with a goal to accomplish. Right, and that goal is definitely set forward, uh, uh, set before us, and before the 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 heroes of this particular journey in this episode. So. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the group is left to, uh, to retreat, but at the same time reassess and reaffirm their commitment to what they're doing. And once they are ready to roll, they do in fact, um, get to very much the brink of starting their mission. And that is where this episode ends. So as Roddy Cat said, this being the penultimate uh, episode setting up the finale, we are right on the brink of getting to the big confrontation between the opposing forces, the butterflies, as it were, and Peacemaker and and his little uh, merry band of idiots. So it is, 
I, you know, I've had a, 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 a decent time watching this. I wanted to mention that this was the first episode of all of the episodes here where the music that starts the episode or the music that is incorporated into the episode is a song I actually recognized. <laughs> you know, it's a Motley Crue song. There are a ton of these hair and glam metal uh, rock songs that James Gunn has put into these episodes, into the series that I just do not recognize having not grown up as a fan of that genre of music. But this was, in fact, something I recognized. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I actually recognize that one. So, you know, that, that's a, that, that was a nice little... Um, Easter egg for me as well as a, a drawing. We also get um, a big reveal into Peacemaker's origin in this episode. It happens right at the beginning of the episode as well. Mm-hmm. So, which they kind of tease in the last couple of episodes, but yeah, we finally get the whole the whole thing on that reveal. Right, yeah. we get that reveal, and it's pretty jarring. It's pretty. Uh, yeah. It's it's definitely not something that's easy on the eyes. Yeah, true, 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 true. Um, I I find it funny they did kind of brush over one part. It was like cause there was like a couple of loose ends, or at least one particular loose ends with loose end with the group that just kind of got gets uh, brushed over with uh, the identity of one of the the group or the true identity of one of the group. Uh, and it was like, well, hey. Hey, this is the thing. Did you know? Yeah, I knew. Of course I knew. <laughs> and then someone else gets set up as, a, you know, a, a, in a newer position, um, mm-hmm. you know, b- before the the rest of the episode goes. So, yeah, like I said, we're, we're all leading to the going headlong into the uh, last episode next week. All right. And it'll be the first time we don't have a competing uh, we, we don't have a, a, a competing show to talk about, so we'll sure. have just the finale to Peacemaker to talk about next week. Yeah, there it is. And we already know that show's getting a season two, so uh, so there is that. That being said, we can move on to the books of the week. That we will. And we're going to start off with Avengers number 53. All righty. Avengers number 53. This book is written by Jason Aaron with art by Juan Frigari. Colors are by David Curiel and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So uh, just a minor, well, a minor spoiler to this issue. The cover does in fact portray something akin to what happens in the issue, but not exactly what happens in the issue. So it's one of those. So it's an interesting twist on, uh, you know, on a cover kind of teasing what we get in the issue. But, uh, in this, in this issue, we have a little bit of, um, insight into one of the multiversal masters of evil right at the beginning of the issue it's pretty jarring to see but quickly we move on into uh something happening to the avengers base that we have seen happen 
let's say we've seen it happen before in a different way and two different locations. And it's not that big a surprise. It's gotten to the point where it's kind of a trope in the pages of the Avengers comics. Right. In a similar situation uh, or with a similar situation, I should say. To, to, right at the hands of similar at the hands of similar group uh, mm-hmm. at the hands of a similar group of villains mm-hmm. we also get uh, as, as i mentioned earlier the characters on the cover are not necessarily traditional members of the avengers one more so than the other right but in this issue they are basically conscripted into the ranks of the avengers and we have uh, them take on this group of multiversal um, masters of evil. Uh, the Doctor Doom uh, variant that we're dealing with here actually calls back to a very specific storyline during the Mark Wade and, and, and Mike Wieringo, uh, rest in peace, shout out to Mike Wieringo, run on the Fantastic Four where he's wearing the skin of someone and he's devoted himself more to magic. You know, I didn't pick up on that. I was thinking more along the lines of um, the animated What If series, to where it was basically evil. He was basically evil, Doctor Strange. Oh no, no, no! This is actually from you know, this is actually an adaptation of um, uh, a six one six story, but where you know it's a variant where this Doom takes it even further. Sure, gotcha. Okay, I kind of wondered, I because because of the way they described it, but okay, now that makes sense. Now did you say that? Because like I said, I wasn't even thinking anything like that. Uh, oh, I mean, those are some great, great Fantastic Four issues. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, after the after the show, I'll I'll make sure to. Uh, well, maybe we'll put in the show notes, sure. and we'll uh, we'll put in um, uh, the issue numbers because I'll just have to take a dive into Marvel Unlimited. That's not a plug, but I'll take a dive into Marvel Unlimited and see what those issue numbers are because that those were some phenomenal uh, issues from. Uh, uh, Mark Wade and Mike Wieringo. Cool, but uh, getting back to this in the issue, clickbait section. I'm those. sorry. I said no. I'm telling the folks that that will be in the clickbait section. Sure. Uh, getting back to this uh, this issue, uh, the Black Panther seemingly has uh, contingency plans for many many things, and he puts one of them into effect uh, in his attempt to go out, to to uh, stand up to this version of Doctor Doom. And ultimately, what we have in this issue is something catastrophic happening. And I'm not going to uh, go beyond that, but ultimately, uh, that is the cliffhanger that we end this issue on. Uh, do you have anything to add? No. No, no, you pretty much said it. Um, actually, that last scene kind of reminded me of. Um, uh, oh shoot, what was the movie? Oh no, it kind of reminded me of a Star Trek movie. Uh, uh, Star Trek Two, actually, uh, near the end. Where God! well, not that part, but there's but basically when they're on the ship, where where the uh, where his crew is on the ship, and it was like I don't, there's nobody on the bridge, but we keep hearing this noise. And then he was like, get out, get out now. And then thing happens. If you've seen the movie, you know what happens. So I don't right. want to. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Uh, upon it's actually reminiscent of this past week's episode of Demon Slayer. That too. That too. It actually it does. It actually mm-hmm. does kind of uh, harken back to that. And we'll yep. talk about that in, when we get to Anime Corner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's uh, Avengers 53 though. 
Um, I guess we'll go to... Let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man um, uh, 88 Bay. Oh! Amazing Spider-Man number 88, Beyonce, is written by Jeffrey Thorne with uh, art by both J- Jan Bezeldua and Jim Toe. Colors are by Jim Campbell, and letters are by our very favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So what these dot bay dot Beyonce issues are when it comes to the numbering uh, uh, the numbering uh, scheme for these amazing Spider-Man issues are kind of uh, interstitial uh interludes as it were you know in between stories uh that don't ne- that that don't necessarily fall into these uh storytelling uh sequence and 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 um an order of the main story and that is very much true in this issue because we have uh a flashback at the very beginning of this issue to king and black but we in this issue catch up with one Hobie Brown and what he's been up to since he gave up the Prowler identity. Mm-hmm. And we find out, and this is another instance where the cover actually does in fact describe some of what happens in this issue. What we get is a reunion of sorts or reconstitution of sorts of the slingers. And if you're not familiar with the slingers, these are costumed identities that, uh, from my recollection at least, forgive me for uh, getting this partially wrong because I, I wasn't following Amazing Spider-Man that clo- or the Spider-Man titles that closely when these uh, characters were introduced. I only have some of these issues in my collection, but uh, these were alternate uh, costumed identities that Peter Parker had taken on and essentially assigned them to other people afterwards so that the heroic identities would not be, you know, would not lay fallow and, uh, uh, giving other people a chance to be heroes. So, uh, in this issue, we get, um, uh, basically a new Hornet and it's kind of ironic that the new Hornet is, uh, someone who's black, <laughs> because it definitely reminds me of um, yes. the Brown Hornet mm-hmm. from Fat Albert cartoons. Yep, I, I thought that exact same thing. So I'm glad you 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 picked you you were there on that. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, we also get uh, was it Ricochet and Dusk. Mm-hmm. And you know, th- and we basically get the reunion, uh, the reformation of the Slingers here. But uh, I think this uh, this issue really served to uh, establish Hobie Brown's new identity. Right. So I – you... okay. What's that? No, no. I said go ahead. What do you think? Oh, so I, was, I, I enjoyed this issue because normally these, these uh, tie-in issues are fluff and kind of not worth really reading a lot of times. I can't sit here and say that this one would be normally, but I enjoyed it. Uh, because we see Hobie Brown, you know, like like um, in his new identity. Well, I think it's, I thought he had the Hornet before, well, previously to this, but not like, or get, 
after those, I don't know, regardless, I don't know, Hobie Browns has had a couple of identities at this point. Um, but he's he's trying something new. He They're kind of doing them like they did, like like Thunderball did in, um, like the coach did with Thunderball and Black Panther. They're basically kind of um, saying like, hey, look, this dude's smart. He's got, since he's not necessarily, a, he's been bad before, but he has the the uh, the the propensity to be a good guy, and he, he's trying to do things for the right reason, seemingly. And this is kind of setting that up to be the case for Hobie Brown in this case. Because we see at the beginning, it's like, yeah, he's almost, or feels like almost Stark level smart. I'm gonna say he's not like all the way there, but still, he's got enough smarts to, re- you know, apparently he's got enough tech smarts to to be able to do his thing. Um, uh, almost above those levels, so they set that up. And then they put him with these other two, which now that I think about, is the Islanders supposed to be like force lingers, or weren't there force lingers? I don't remember because I never watched. Cause I think other, there were four. I think yeah. there were four because there's one with a cape, right? Because you know more about them than other. Because I'm pretty sure I was not reading Spidey at the, around that time of these these folks. There was one with the cape, so that character may have uh, may may have died, mm. and I think these are the three that remain. Okay. Well, I think they said in here that the the Hornet before Hobie had died. Definitely. So I don't know if this other that other one also died. Uh, right. No, he had like kind of Captain America style like middle middle wings on his sure. on, on his on his mask, mm-hmm. and I think his his primary color was yellow. I, I'll have to gotcha. take a look at that. I'm gonna go to the Googles while you continue. So yeah, so that sets him up and sets Hobie up to, to basically how he gets involved with this whole uh, as uh, why this becomes a beyond uh, tie-in is because the company that apparently he owned, which is basically kind of like um, is a crowdfunding site, and he had big plans to do something with at the beginning of this book, got bought out by Beyond, and he got he and the whole his whole uh, staff got bought out by Beyond, but his um, very insightful girlfriend is like you. Don't you think you should wonder why Beyond would do such a big payout to everybody and see what's going on? So that's so that kind of sets him to into snooping into what Beyond's doing. And we know in a way, well, we don't know why Beyond bought his company, but we know Beyond is kind of doing some stuff on the superhero front on both ends. Um, uh, that kind of makes this a little make a little bit of sense as to why this needs to be looked into because you know. They're they're kind of almost going into the almost the damage control uh, part of it also uh, end of it, but not so much. But again, we don't know the full end of this, and we may or may not because we don't know. Because as far as I know, this is a one shot. We don't know if we're going to see these where where we're going to see these these uh, folks again. More likely, they're probably going to show up in amazing uh, 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 the main book in one shape or way, shape or form. I assume by the time you know this whole beyond thing uh, gets done. But like I said, it all sets that up. And, we, and at the end of this, uh, this kind of got me actually wanting to read a book with these characters uh, hmm. with this, with this setup in it. Like I was uh, interested enough in all of these characters to see what, what else they would get into, you know? And that is something that one of these uh, tie-in books rarely does. <laughs> all right. So, so, so the fourth character is named Prodigy. So it's another character named Prodigy, not to be confused with the the, the mutant Prodigy. Right. Okay, gotcha. So, and no, there's no telling whether that character is going to show up, um, or this is just it. So, right. 
probably irrelevant at this point, but still, it, uh, I guess worth noting. Uh, well, it's that, interesting because what they do is they repurpose a character that we have some familiarity with, that being Hobie Brown. Right. So uh, it's interesting that they would repurpose him into this role and, uh, you know, that gives us an in into mm-hmm. these characters. So, right. you know, whether or not they relaunch, relaunch uh, Slingers as a group, uh, as a group book, is, is, you know, remains to be seen or if they just remain as a... Uh, prominent guest stars right. in uh, the Spider-Man corner of the Marvel Universe. We'll see. Yeah. But like I said, interesting enough to to, uh, to get me to want to read some more with them. That being said, uh, we can push on to uh, one more book before Rapid Fire. Uh, if you got one handy. Uh, did you read Maestro World War M number one? I did. All right, so this book is written by Peter David with art by Herman Peralta and Pasquale Ferry. Colors are by Jesus Abertov and Matt Hollingsworth. And letters are by VCs Ariana Maher, or Mayer. So my first, the first thing I want to say before <laughs> I get into this issue is a question to Roddy Cat. Roddy Cat, have you read Home go. Future Imperfect yet? I knew he was going to ask this question, and I have in my notes. The first thing I have in my notes is, uh, and I quote, Welcome back to Roddy, still having not read Future Imperfect. It's two issues. <laughs> so I did. So at one point, I think uh, by the the end of the last um, one of these. So this is folks will know. This is part three of a trilogy, um, the Maestro trilogy. Uh, I think at the end of that, I started reading it, but then other books, uh, other stuff happening, and you know. We had heavy books, so we we have a lot of books to go through. So I was like, I, right. I'll come back to these later. Right. We generally have a lot to read per week. It's very rare that we get a, a slow enough week where we can actually get in other reading. Right. Uh, so I definitely sympathize and I understand Roddy Cat's plight. At the same time, though, it's only two <laughs> issues, but these two issues are fairly dense. They yeah. are fairly dense. They're not the run of the mill twenty two page comic book. So. Uh, there True. is, you know, the, it's a lot to them that, you know, when I say it's two issues, I mean that, and I say that, uh, tongue firmly planted in cheek because I know that they do not read as quickly as a monthly issue of a comic book. So no, that no. being the case in this issue, again, we, we are dealing with the prequel to the Hulk feature imperfect, and we are teasing much of what we're going to see in Hulk feature imperfect. This issue picks up right where we left off essentially in the last maestro uh like warm packs i believe it was warm packs yes um uh miniseries uh maybe not immediately uh after but soon after because we're dealing with the after effects of the events in that series specifically with the remaining survivors that are in that are left after uh, uh humanity basically uh killed each other off and this issue deals with the uh, with some of the remaining survivors uh, specifically, and this is not that big a spoiler because the character is in fact on the cover, the Abomination, hmm. as well as another character who's on the cover, that being Namor the Submariner. And I'm not going to go into in depth of what these characters are doing. And how they're interacting with the maestro in this issue. But it's safe to say that 
um, the maestro is in fact looking to consolidate power and eliminate any and all threats to his power uh, during these uh, prequel miniseries. And that seems to be a big goal of his during this series as well. Right. Uh, apparently the forces against um, the, the forces against uh, the maestro at this point are pretty much com- uh, comprised of a, f- a couple of invaders or uh, uh, three invaders including one person uh, that I don't know if this is actually that person or just to have that person's name that is, that is, um, that is working with Maestro, but it's kind of a, a double agent. Um, that being said, and also I, I real quick, I, Oh, that's, I didn't even notice that. That's, that's actually a good pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good pickup. I didn't, I did not even notice that. That's an excellent pickup. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw this co- cover and I, I didn't pick up on who it actually was until I until I read the book because I honestly looked took a glance at it and I was like, why is Maestro f- counting uh, fight, uh, fighting Count Nefaria? Right. So wh- who would probably be still around? I don't know. I don't even know. But you know, <laughs> that was that was a whole thing. So yeah. And wait. So is so is Abomination. I guess spoilers. Abomination was in Future Imperfect. Nope. Okay. Or Namor either. Nope. Okay. Curious. All right. That's that's what I was kind of wondering about because I was like, it's a Hulk centric story. I know that. I know that. But what I'm saying, but I figured. I mean, and granted, I know it's only two issues, but I figured maybe they showed up and he, you know, killed them off or something like that, and or something or maybe before whatever happens there so right that's why i figured i'd ask it was like this it kind of feels kind of weird to see namor showing up but also he's a, is long lived so of course he would probably be around even after right uh, and considering considering that this is basically the aftermath of a nuclear several nuclear holocaust basically right. it does make some sense that he would be a survivor being under the ocean right and they even say as pretty much say as much mm-hmm. um in the course of this issue so Rick Jones, however, not doing as well. Nope. I mean, he's still still around, but yeah, he's not getting any better. Um, so, which at first I thought that was uh, that was Rick Jones just kind of playing the role, but it was like, oh no, he's actually not. You know, which you know, um, yeah, um, Alzheimer's or or whatever case is not a good thing. But believe me, I know from firsthand experience. Right. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, that's that, and this is the start of this. I get, the, and this is the first issue of five, so we got this whole thing. Will Roddy actually read Future Imperfect by the time this series ends? Tune in to find out. <laughs> and that's that a good said, one. That being said, we can go on to rapid fire. Unless you got another book you want to, you know, kind of. No, 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 no. We can definitely move on to rapid fire. So allow me to spin it up. I ain't got time to breathe. All right. We do have a few books in common this week. So Roddy Cat's going to chime in as I go through my list. Mm. First up is I Am Batman number six. This book is written by John Ridley with art by Ken Lashley. Colors are by Rex Locus. And letters by Troy Pateri. So this is the first issue of the Jace Batman 
and his career starting in uh, the Big Apple in New York City. And I find it kind of disconcerting that uh, he would be in New York City and the the it's a, it's it, it seems like it's established that there's hardly ever any heroes in New York City. Right. You know, I, you know, as, as someone who grew up with the New Teen Titans having a base in New York City, I'm like, oh, so I guess there are no heroes hanging out at all in New York City in the right. DC universe. Right. So if they just stay out of the city, you know, I guess. I mean, you got Gotham, you got Metropolis. Why would you go to New York? Yeah. You know, so lame. So lame. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Um. Yeah, uh, like 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 you kind of said, like yeah, he kind of welcomes himself into New York, but apparently, uh, the the city, the the political part of the city, aka the mayor and his crew, especially particularly the mayor, have seemingly learned the lessons uh, of future states slash fear states because they were like, well, he's here now, so we got to kind of do we we don't want to do what Gotham did. Uh, so instead of going that route, let's try to bring him into the fold, which sets, um, pretty much sets up, I guess, uh, Jace's, uh, Commissioner Gordon in One Detective Chubb, who, you know, we knew was also going to be there at the end of, um, or at the end of that last arc. But she's not too happy about the arrangement because she don't like masks. So that's going to be an interesting relationship right there. But I feel like they are definitely going to their relationships probably going to change at some point. And the, the, the reason why Jace is in New York in the first place is because, uh, you know, uh, well, one, they had to get him out of Gotham Two, his sisters doing physical therapy. And that's where they set them up at. So there's some family stuff also uh, kind of kind of going in through. But he got uh, his man in the chair back together, and he's kind of, like I said, making a name for himself in, in New York. But as ten, things tend to happen, where the capes go, so do the, um, so do the enemies. Because as right. Agent 70 said, they didn't really have that much going on in, in New York uh, since the Titans left. And they even say it in this book, hey, you know what? With Batman pretty much attracting, attracting the crazies to come. And sure enough... Granted, there was one kind of already there, but you know, this is they they got to set him up with some people to uh, fight, and right. they go in this issue to do just that. And right, that. you know, it's it's what the vision talks about in uh, Civil War in the in the MCU. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you know, power. You know, power invites challenge. I think I I think I think is how it went or something Wait, like that. Wasn't that Zemo said that? Well, yeah, no, because you're right. You're right. I guess that was the case. Yeah. So, so, all right. uh, Next up is Devil's Reign number four of six. So we only have two more issues of this Devil's Reign main miniseries remaining. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Caquetto. Colors are by Marcio Meniz, and letters are by uh, VCs Clay. Oh no, actually, it doesn't say. VC's Clayton Cowles, it just says letterer Clayton Cowles. I guess Clayton Cowles might have gone uh, freelance at this point. We're used to saying that is VC that it is VC's Clayton Cowles, but well, in this issue, it is just Clayton Cowles. Well, except for he does so, say, well, he is uh, VC's Clayton Power and Clark, Clayton Clark, 
Howell in another book this week, though. So. Ah, interesting. Well, I just oh, think it's interesting if you case. look at the at the at the uh, the credits. It doesn't right. say VCs. Right. So, uh, in this issue, we have uh, you know we 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 immediately follow up on the the events of last issue, and we're starting to get an idea of how the kingpin is looking to enact his uh, master plan using um, uh, what he was able to get from the Purple Man. Uh, what we see are the heroes making their move to try to uh, push back against the kingpin and his anti-cape, as it were, efforts. Uh, we find out that the new thun- the new group of Thunderbolts is not exactly moving at the uh, is not exactly moving. Uh, to the beat that the Kingpin has set forth for them, despite his um, newly cement, newly minted uh, powers of persuasion, thanks to the purple man. So uh, that is a one reveal, but at the same time, it is this purple man power that allows the Kingpin to counteract something that daredevil did. That is akin to, what Spider-Man did in one more day and brand new day that is. And, uh, it does make some sense because the power that he uses in this issue to overcome what daredevil did is related to the power that uh, basically enacted what daredevil did to put, uh, to let's say put a particular secret back into the bottle as it were. And if you're, if you're familiar enough with the daredevil story, you can figure out what I'm getting at here, but I'm not looking to spoil the entire thing. So that is the, the gist of devil's reign. Number four, we only have two more issues left of this event. Next up is a moon Knight Number eight. I believe Roddy cat read this as well. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Cappuccio. Colors are by uh, colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this issue is uh, it's not really a, a filler issue because essentially what it does is that it picks up from uh, one picks up right where uh, tie-in to Devil's Reign leaves us. With uh, where where that story actually leaves Mark Spector, that is Mark Spector. Spoiler alert for uh, the Devil's Reign tie-ins, but we do see uh, a little bit of information on this in here. We do see that Mark Spector has been taken into custody during the Devil's Reign storyline, and now Hunter's Moon, his um, fellow Fist of Conchu, is looking to maintain the work of the Midnight Mission, and that is where the story picks up. Do you yeah, have anything his, to add? I was going to say, well, my notes say something kind of whatever, but he's his methods are, while similar to Mark's, slightly different, in, at least in this particular issue, because as I say in my notes, it's like, oh, so he couldn't handle this this person, so he had to call out his God to, 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 to handle the work. But, yeah, that was the thing. And apparently the person he was fighting was, as I found out from an article, was an obscure eighties um um uh villain whom 
I'm almost fairly certain was a, a Huntress refer- reference. Feels like a Huntress reference. By mm, the description. Interesting. I mean, listen, if if McKay is a student of Marvel history the way Dan Slott is, and mm-hmm. you know, we've seen this in the Reckoning, where we're not necessarily creating new villains from whole cloth, but actually digging up kind of discarded characters and making something new with them, then I give McKay a lot of credit for bringing that up because I did not realize that this character really did exist back then. I didn't either. Cause I was, cause I was like, I wonder, cause I was going to look uh, until I saw this article, which is in the show notes under my description, uh, under my notes for moon Knight, uh, this issue. Um, uh, there's an article that also came out uh, a couple of days ago that talks about this particular character and where they came from. Uh, which is which is an old um, it says Moon Knight number fourteen from nineteen eighty one actually, according to this, and looks to be according to this article rumored to rumored uh, in the past to appear in the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. But that's oh interesting. But that would rumor. give it reason. Yeah, I was about to say that would give them reason to uh, uh, to highlight that character again in the current exactly. book. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I had to say. Alrighty, next up is Secret X-Men number one, and I believe this is a one-shot. Yes. It is written by Tini Howard, with art by Francesco Mobili, colors are by Jesus Abertov, and letters are by, here, VC's Clayton Cowles. So, um, in this one-shot, the... X-Men who are featured here are actually the X-Men who all lost the vote. They were all nominated in the vote for um, the the most recent X-Men elections, but they are all the uh, the, the losers, as it were, the, the people who were not elected to the X-Men uh, main roster. The first runner-ups, this... if you would. Say again? The first runner-ups, if you would. Right. All of them are first runner-ups. They're not losers. <laughs> You know, that's the culture we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your participation. Here's your participation trophy, right? <laughs> no, I'm not going to be one of those guys. So, uh, in this ish, in this you know kind of done in one story, we have um, Deathbird basically recruiting this group of X Men to run a security check, and you know it's kind of fun to see this group of X Men. You know, interacting with each other. It's great to see uh, characters that were once dead and now alive thanks to Krakone protocols like Banshee uh, kind of running around, you know, uh, literally with uh, their full throated selves doing things. Although, still, I'm still not sure how the hell he did what he did in in the middle of this when they were out in space. In space. I know. I saw that, too. I was like, ooh, I don't know about that, dude. But in any event, it's uh, done in one. It's not meant to, you know, it's not necessarily meant to, uh, to to mean much. I don't think it actually sets up any stories, but I could be wrong. We'll see where it goes from here. But it's, a, you know, it's an interesting little one shot to give some shine to these characters who a lot of people voted for in order to see them gain uh, membership onto the main X-Men roster. So I'm, I'm on the other side of that. I feel like this could like, yes, this is a one shot, but maybe this is something they're going to come back to in the main X-Men book or something, or maybe they're just kind of put this out there to see if anybody actually wants to see more of this. 
Right. Uh, I think it's. I think it's definitely. Uh, uh, they're definitely fishing. They're putting out feelers for possible interest. Right. Because it's like, with what they set up, there's got to be more to it than just what happens in here. Like it feels like 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 the 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 hooks are there to where it's like well they can they can send this somewhere you know send this further than what they did but as a one and done it's like it feels kind of partially incomplete because of that because it's like okay it's a one and done but it but it still kind of has the hooks of I was like well it's not really done it's just like it just got to a point to where they just kind of you know let it let it let it roll out uh right. because of something and actually I don't remember if now we know um so slight spoiler here um the crux of the sport is the crux of the story has to do with uh Lalandra and Charles Xavier's daughter uh Zandra who is now the empress of Shi'ar. Right. Um I don't recall before now. Well, actually maybe she maybe she did probably early on but I don't recall her manifesting her her Ted's powers um before now unless that happened in the rogue uh, the, the the Rogue Gambit series or something like that. Maybe this has happened and I just said another page, but I don't recall. We clearly know she's whose daughter she is because of the the power she ends up manifesting uh, in this particular book, which ends up right. kind of coming toward the, into the fold at the end of this. But also at the same time, like this book kind of reminded me of uh, a weird U.S. Avengers, except for with X Men, because in mm-hmm. the in the similar book we have uh, Robert Roberto De Costa. And Sam Guthrie leading a team of kind of misfit heroes, right? Um, right. There's so, there's so much in in between yeah. right now because they've both been Avengers. They've both been uh, you know major players on the X Men. So it's definitely uh, uh, you know they're definitely occupy, uh, occupying a space that's in the distinct in between right now. So it's interesting to see. Uh, creators trying to give these two characters and some of the characters on this roster some more shine. We see Forge a lot in the main X book as right. as a supporting character. We we've seen armor here and there over the years, and I know a lot of people were supporting Tempo uh, for membership on the main X Men roster. So right. you know uh, this is definitely a ragtag bunch of uh, uh, of characters, but at the same time, you know especially Bobby. DaCosta and Sam Guthrie, you know, these some of these characters really do occupy a weird in-between space mm-hmm. because they definitely deserve more shine and more exposure, but at the same time it's finding that 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 the the right pitch, the right book for them to headline. Right. Cause you would think, okay, well, you know, Bobby and Bobby and Sam, well, these are former new mutants, and that book is still kind of sort of round. Uh, but they're not with them. I think they may right. have even shown up in that book like probably once in the whole what twenty four issues or once no, or twice no, no. It. Don't you remember they had that whole space? You know, remember oh, when New Mutants yeah, was right. alternating that was stories? The right, exactly. And yeah. they, you know, like for like the first, let's say for the first like twelve issues of that book, they occupied like half half the story because right. they were in space. Remember? True. You're right. You're right. You're right. So. But at that point, or at least in in the in the in the current New Mutants book, they're definitely dealing with uh, uh, the the Krakoan bound mutants. The there's definitely a focus on Rain and Danny and uh, Sha um, yeah. uh, Shan 
and um uh and and, and magic and uh James, James I guess Blast Warpath. Star. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Warpath. You know, there's there's definitely a, a focus in that book on certain characters, but you know, as as we said earlier, Sam and 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 uh and 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 and, and Bobby DaCosta, they you know, we can't say that they've graduated. But at the same time, they're in that weird in-between space. Sure. So, you know, like I said, it's it, it's interesting to see whether or not these characters and creators uh, – well, well, it's interesting to see whether or not there are any creators that can come up with a good enough pitch for these characters to uh, to uh, to be in the spotlight again. Right. Tenny House anyway. seems like she's working on something. She has something in mind if, the, if it does go any further, but we'll, you know, we don't know that for sure. Right. But it was interesting that uh, that Hickman decided to pull those two specifically into the Avengers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and made them fairly prominent members uh, for a time. Right. So, yeah. All right. And last for me is uh, Ten Deaths of Wolverine number two. The book is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Federico Vicentini. Uh, colors are by Dijo Lima. And letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this issue, in this issue, we catch up with uh, Moira McTaggart, who continues to be on the run from Mystique and Destiny. We see some extreme measures that she has to take in order to try to avoid being tracked and captured. And meanwhile, we have kind of a, a, a future imperfect, you know, speaking of uh, future imperfect, we have a future imperfect version of Wolverine that is running around uh, the pages of this book. So, um, you know, we this is definitely an in-between issue. We're uh, catching up with uh, Moira uh, being on the run, as well as seeing what this future imperfect style Wolverine is up to. So this is, I believe... I'm just going to the reading order. This is the second of five issues. So we have three more issues to go for this 10-week total um, uh, 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 event uh, of the 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine. Right. And so, wait, is that other book on two also? On issue two? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we okay. just had issue two last week, so gotcha. issue three will be out this coming week. So in true Hickman fashion, they're going back and forth, like I said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. That's it? That is it for me. All right. Then we go over to my books, starting off with Magic number 11, um, which I'm fairly certain <laughs> Agent 70 did not read. Uh, Nay. Written by Jed McKay, uh, illustrated by Iguara. Colors by Ariana Consani, or Sony. Uh, letters by Ed Dukeshire. So this begins a new start, a new story, and uh, as the book says, new season. Um, and they're kind of pivoting, which is weird because the last arc ended slightly on the cliffhanger, but it seems like they they, they haven't really lost the thread of that because of the fact that. While this uh, story is starting off with a new, well, not a new character, excuse me, into the magic universe, but a new character to the book or a new or character to the book in uh, Chandra Nalar, which who is a fan favorite planeswalker. She's a fire character. She likes to burn things. You see her on the cover. Um, 
she well the basic is that she's trying to get back to Ravnica at one part and they do kind of recall make a recall to the last arc or to a couple of things in the last arc of uh, the this uh book uh she finds herself trying to get back to Ravnica but as we found out from the uh, the the last arc Ravnica's Ravnica Ravnica's kind of um um can't be gone through even by planeswalker can't be gotten to who are and planeswalkers are able to um pretty much go anywhere uh, in any plane but apparently it's been closed off for some odd reason so she's trying to find a way to get back to or get to it uh and she runs into a couple other planeswalkers uh, near duel planeswalkers who in fight ensues and as i say in my uh notes there's no cards being used in this fight sadly because Magic the Gathering is all about cards, as, as folks may or may not know. But uh, she meets up with an ally who apparently she doesn't know, and I and I guess I don't know the Magic uh, the Gathering lore enough to know that whether they would actually know each other. But she she meets up with another planeswalker, and they try to they help this uh, this village out. Um. Uh, but not well. Not even not before, but at the end of it, uh, they meet up with another planeswalker who is looking for one of the other planeswalkers from the first arc of the book, who uh, at this point is in Ravnica, who's stuck in Ravnica, I guess. Uh, so I guess we'll find out what um, what this person wants with that character uh, uh, next issue or so. Uh, next book is Black Manta, Six of Six. Uh, so yes, this is the last issue of this uh, miniseries. It is written by Chuck Brown, art by Matthew Dow Smith, colors by Marissa Louise, and letters by non-VCs Clayton Cowles. Because uh, the, the stuff he does for DC not with them. Unless he is actually going to, um, <laughs> he's going by his own, we'll see. Anyway, um, like I said, this is the, the, uh, the last end of this book in this this is the this uh miniseries is pretty much the setup or one of the setups to the Aquaman uh event that is uh coming up I guess soon and probably in the next month or two. Um uh and Black Manta is going to be a part of that. So this is pretty much getting Manta to the point to where he is going to end up in this book, in, in that particular event. Obviously, when you talk Aquaman, you're thinking Arthur Curry, but you're also thinking Jackson Hyde, who's Black Manta's, uh, Black Manta's son. So, you know, his involvement uh, is not necessarily guaranteed, but given a couple of things that happened in this issue uh, you can see there's going to be a run-in with them. So Manta ends up getting this. Uh, well, Manta was tasked to to um, to forge this trident for this Devil Ray character who was basically trying to take uh, Black Manta's spot. But uh, you know, for some stupid reason, and and as stupid as the only word I could use is Devil Ray, who is this other character, chose to. Um, just go along with Manta Manta's help without thinking he's trying to pull a fast one on him or anything. But as we come to find out uh from this book, the the yeah, Devil Ray's got a long way to go before he can outwit uh, Black Manta. 
So Mantis got the trident. Uh, he says goodbye to his uh, his crewmate and the other people that he was he was with because they're going off to do another mission. Maybe they'll meet up again, and also sets him up, like I said, to go into Aquaman the event. And it says even says at the end of the book, like yeah, we'll see you, uh, Black Manta, in Aquaman, uh, which I believe Chuck Brown's got something to do with. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure. So shout out to hometown Chuck Brown. Uh, next up, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Vader number 20. Uh, this is a Crimson Rain tie-in, I guess, um, for, for whatever that is worth. It is written by Greg Pak, <clears throat> art by Raffaele, uh, Inco, Inco, uh, colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, so this issue brings about the return of Sabe, one of uh, Padme's ha- uh, handmaidens, who we come to find out at the events of last issue had uh, set some set a trap for, well, not even set a trap, but basically um, set Vader up with some bait uh, to go after some Crimson Dawn folks, which has been his mission in the last couple of issues because they've been a thorn in the Emperor, Emperor's side. But he's been given a fake list, and whether he knew about it or not, some other people that are around him knew that the list was fake. But he pretty much goes on the spree, killing a whole bunch of people, um, um, before finding out the list was uh, was a fake. Again, it is not necessarily known whether this was the, the case he knew, but apparently everybody else did, like the Emperor and Ochi, who's been riding with him because and Ochi knows for a specific reason but we, you know um, you can kind of put two and two together as to why that is and this is also setting up uh, Sabe uh, in, a, in a certain way because she's been trying to hunt down Vader to kill him but something at the beginning of this issue suggests that maybe she's not trying to do that anymore but maybe use him for some other um, uh, some other means, but we don't necessarily know what that is just yet. But that that is pretty much how this uh, plays out, and we guess we'll find out more about that next issue. Mm, last but not least is New Mutants number twenty four. You didn't you didn't read this, Agent Seventy, or did you? You said you I did it. read it. I did yeah. read it. I just, you know, I mean, I read it mostly carefully because I, uh, I'm not as caught up as you are on sure. this. So some of it may have uh, kind of gone over my head. But I did, you know, see as we talked about earlier that several storylines had been advanced and even some uh, kind of wrapping up and some being pushed, some others being pushed forward. So, sure. Uh, as I said, advanced. So uh, feel free to discuss it. Well, okay, so not much outside of that, but said so. It was written by Vidya Ayala, uh, art by Danilo Beirut, uh, color artist Dan Brown, and letters by VCs Trainer Blenheim. I, I'm just going to say off right on top of that. I don't know. I had some slight issues with the art. Um, like it wasn't bad, but it was slightly jarring. I guess. Especially I think it's in the distracting. Beginning. Yeah. So, and it kind of, kind of threw me at, the, especially at the beginning of the book, like as, as you're reading through it, it kind of 
you get used to it, I guess. But yeah, in the beginning, it was definitely uh, distracting, especially when you see like uh, magic um, in, in a couple in a couple of times in the beginning. But there is that. So yeah, so like it just seven said, yeah, there's some stuff that gets wrapped up. There's a whole lot of uh, there's some reconciliations going on. You know, um, for the most part, that's what this book is kind of going through. You know, we get to see um, um, where folks are at mentally, like uh, Rain and Cosmar. And we see um, Cosmar, actually, I guess they're finally trying to get her changed to being somewhat human looking, which I'm surprised they waited till now to do that. Um, we see, uh, the, the proud star brothers kind of, uh, I guess rebond, start to rebond. Um, uh, the former shadow King actually is getting, uh, get, get starting to get his redemption, which is still weird to me. Cause I figured it was like, now nah, if anybody needed to go into the hole, it's probably be him. But anyway, um, we throughout this whole thing, we get to see magic kind of, talking about uh well the state of music magic and shooting the students and i guess bringing victor into the fold as a teacher uh because he's a druid now uh, as i say and at the end of this and we've seen a couple of times in dispersive with this apparently they have they have some plans for madeline Pryor because she's popped up a couple of times in this book and even at the end where Ayana's like, "Hey, I got a, I got a proposition for you," um, and it kind of goes into telling her that, but we don't get to see the whole thing, just the start of it. Uh, we also see Ayana looking at uh, a certain part of um, <laughs> Madeline Pryor's um, anatomy uh, at the end of this, unless that was a, 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 an art choice that looks kind of different from the way I, I perceived it, but it just looks like knowing magic, she was just looking at her boobs. Um, at the end of it, which again is magic, she probably was. So yeah, so like I said, like Aiden Seventy said, some things are kind of got wrapped up. Some things are kind of um, what in the world, um, being being brought up, and it does say at the end that there's a to be continued in this. So we'll see what happens. And that is it for me. So we can go to clicks of the week, week, week. Clicks of the week. I was just saying, uh, and I didn't have a chance to unmute myself, that it was probably both when it comes to what Magic was doing and or looking at. Indeed. So, incoming Clicks of the Week. Uh, We didn't get anything from from our other hosts. Nope, we should It's all right. It was kind of a weird week reading-wise. So, um, let's see. For myself, I think I think I might actually have some Dark Horse candidates and not the publisher Dark Horse, but some Dark Horse candidates this week. Because while I definitely liked Avengers number 53 because of uh, some of the cool things that we got to see uh, from uh, the characters that Hickman chose to highlight, as well as the parallels to avenger stories of the past i think that i'm going to go with devil's reign number four although maestro world war m number one was pretty strong as well Hmm. okay 
So let's see, that was rain number four for you. Mm-hmm. All right, and I think for myself, um, Secret of X Men was kind of fun. Like I, I'm, I'm slightly curious if they, if they indeed end up doing something with that group. Um, but given we know that there's another um, vote coming up soon, maybe probably not. Who's to say at this point? Right. Um, I am actually weirdly going to go with Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 88 Bay. Nice. For my cl- click. Because, yeah, like I said, the, the it, I'm interested in seeing what this, these characters get into. And that's a surprise out of one of these books. <laughs> and we get to see the brown hornet! <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed, indeed. And while I put my book, uh, the cover of my book up real quick, we will go into the uh, news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads apparel including t-shirts hats and socks and brand merchandise such as custom diy pop figures art books and skateboards and now the listeners of the comic book chronicles can enjoy 10 percent off your entire purchase when shopping at funko to place your first order with 10 percent off and to help keep our show free for you go to our network website at cspn.us that's cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page from there scroll down to the fun code link and place your order when you get to the checkout put in the offer code shop 10 for your 10 percent off discount to help support the comic book chronicles that is funco through cspn.us do it today and now we get into the news Um, we, we start off with the comic, uh, excuse me, the cinematic news, but um, I was going to say, I totally forgot that, um, I also genuinely enjoyed the, uh, the run of, um, the, um, Black Manta, uh, by itself, it probably is not, you know, may, may or may not be something to write home about, but it's actually a, a pretty good read if you get a chance to get around to it. I will say that. That being said, cinematic news we start off with. The, the CW officially orders Gotham Knights pilot. Um, so according to this article, apparently the, the potential sale of the CW caused some unease recently, which we talked about recently, uh, that the CW is potentially being sold. But apparently they're still green lighting shows. So... Um, uh, apparently, there's a pilot order for Gotham Knights, which uh, which uh, this comes according to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the series comes from the producers of Batwoman and sees the CW continuous tradition of uh, adding new DC shows to its lineup every year. Also, there's a um, video game called Gotham Knights that is coming out either this year or next year. Co- coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so that being said, let's see, it says here it's been three months since the CW has announced that they'd be developing this series. Um, and the official pilot order seems to suggest that it's probably going to happen. But like I said, with the, the, the station being, or the the network being kind of in flux, who's to say what's going to happen 
with it. But it seems like there's a number of Arrowverse alumni alum uh, involved in the pilot of the show, such as Greg Belanti, as well as Batwoman team of uh, Chad Fivish, James uh, Stodaro, and Natalie Abrams. So, like I said, we'll see if that actually comes to pass or not. Next up. All right. So, uh, in the wake of episode six of Peacemaker, now that we've just talked about episode seven that just dropped today as of the date of this recording, we've gotten some new emojis that are available for people to use online related to Peacemaker. And... Uh, there are some fun behind-the-scenes photos featuring Peacemaker and a classroom full of kids uh, that are also featured on the website that Rodcat is showing you. Yep, yep. Uh, what is going on with these shots? Okay. Uh, Naomi just introduced, actually a couple of weeks ago, introduced a surprising DC cosmic character. So this is uh, kind of spoilers for episode three of Naomi, and we're on, we just passed episode six, just to give you reference. Uh, and then I, the reason why I hadn't talked about uh, Naomi this week is because it's not coming back until the 23rd of February, which is a couple of weeks from now. So, um, right. And yeah. they are not on an Olympic hiatus like other, like NBC shows. Correct. Um... So yeah, so like I said, this is a slight spoiler for episode three, if you haven't been watching, but uh, a character named Adam Blake, who I saw this character, I was like, well, this must be somebody, but I don't know who it is, because DC's got some a bunch of characters I have no idea about, and I'm more of a Marvel head, but um, apparently this, this person's name is Captain Comet. If that name means anything to you as a DC fan, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, this dude came in and had a scene and kind of left, and we've not seen him since. So, there you go. Uh, apparently he fought alongside uh, one of the other characters who was a Thanagarian in whatever war that they keep referencing. Um, probably not the Rand Thanagarian war, but who's to say it's not? Next up. Next up... Uh... A new kid graphic novel gets a film adaptation from Insecure showrunner Prentice Penny. So it is an adaptation of Jerry Craft's best-selling graphic novel, New Kid for Universal. So this is a graphic novel by author-illustrator Jerry Craft. It is an award-winning 2019 graphic novel titled New Kid. And let's see... Uh, originally published on February 5th, 2019. New Kid tells the story of Jordan Banks, a seventh grader who loves nothing more than drawing cartoons about his life. However, instead of sending him to the art school of his dreams, his parents enroll, enroll him in a prestigious private school known for its academics, where Jordan is one of the few kids of color in his entire grade. As Jordan makes his daily trip from his Washington Heights apartment to the upscale Riverdale Academy day school. He soon finds himself torn between two worlds and not really fitting into either one. Okay. That has a weird Miles Morales sound to it. Minus the spider powers. Right. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, Moon Knight star may have already shut down season two hopes. Uh, apparently 
Um, Moon Knight star Oscar Isaac recently suggested that the upcoming Disney Plus show will not see a second season. Um, speaking to Jared Leto for Friday's Actors on Actors session, Isaac discussed his, discussed his knowledge of Moon Knight before he took the role. Uh, quote unquote, I've never heard of Moon Knight before and I've collected comics when I was younger, he explained. I'd heard of Morbius, but I'd never heard of Moon Knight. Um, I don't know how the process was for you talking to Jared Leto, but because it's a feature film, we're in a limited series. Um, and I guess he says being a limited series suggests no plans for a future episode of beyond six scheduled premiere. That's not necessarily the case because I think most of these are limited series and we know at least Loki and what if got <laughs> both got taken seasons. Exactly. Who's to say? Like he doesn't. He only knows what he knows, so he can only say what he knows. Plus, the Disney snipers would tell would you know would be on him. Next up, alrighty. As reshoots for the Disney Plus series Ms. Marvel continues, uh, I continue. That is a new set picture offers a peek at Kam- uh, Kamala Khan's homemade Captain Marvel costume. So uh, it's the first superhero suit that she dons following her transformation. Because of the MCU's ever-shifting release schedule, Miss Marvel is one Marvel Disney Plus series that has seen its premiere window bumped around a fair amount. The series once was set to premiere in late 2021, but it's now going to be premiering uh, in summer 2022. Oh, I was... Thinking there was probably going to get pushed to next year, so that's interesting, right? And that was my understanding too. Is that it was going to be in twenty twenty three, right? So, which now I'm kind of curious though. So, when is She Hulk? I don't know. I mean, this is an interesting uh, way to phrase it in the article that right. they're mo- that they've moved it up, I guess. Right. But my understanding is that it's supposed to be twenty twenty three. Hmm. This is just like it's as likely to debut sometime this summer. Sure. So yeah, we'll see if that actually holds true. Because if that's the case, we ought to be seeing it like a trailer or something somewhat soon. Right. So next up, though, um, Anthony Ramos joins the cast of Marvel's Iron Heart. So I guess this is a dude from In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He was in the original cast of uh, Hamilton. Ah, okay. So, so continuing played, with that, he played John Lawrence. Gotcha. So, continuing with that tradition of hiring uh, Hamilton uh, and or Game of Thrones or some some combination of both <laughs> alumni. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to current stuff. So it says here that Ramos's role is uh, currently unknown, but he will definitely appear alongside Dominique Thorne, who plays Ironheart Riri Williams, and. Um, that's pretty much about all we know. Next up. All right. I think we talked about this last week, but again, we have another article about uh, Madam Web movie reportedly in development over at the Sony Marvel office starring Dakota Johnson. So um, the, the news came from Deadline, who say sources who, who sources say that Sony is looking to expand on its Marvel success post Spider-Man No Way Home. Right. 
we well yeah we talked about it last week that it was a it was definitely it was going to be a thing i don't think we had dakota johnson's name attached to it when we talked about it then though okay that's like the only new thing about this um let's see book of boba fett star to tamara morrison wants another season to get revenge on Mace Windu. I saw like a part of this clip of this, uh, the, of this, um, video and I wish I could have pulled it. I totally forgot. But, um, uh, Tamara Morrison and, uh, uh, um, um, uh, Ming-Na Wen were talking to IMDB, I believe. And it, somehow it came up, um, that, uh, that he wants another season of the show so that he can finally settle a score with Mace Windu. Um, who, of course, killed him slash his dad in uh, Attack of the Clones. Because uh, I remember seeing the, the, the like the, in the clip, if he was like, um, as a matter of fact, it says here, quote it, uh, I think we'd better let John Favreau know that we should have another series, and I'll start looking for Mace Windu. And the part of the thing I, I saw was this next quote was, I own big time for my dad, the actor said, adding, he's done, he's done. So I got my eye on him. He's top of the list, in fact, talking about Mace Windu. So whether that actually comes to pass, and I think either this article or another article said that, that Mace Windu was dead because of the events of Ridge Avengers itself. We don't know that for certain. We saw him fall, fly out of a window thanks to the thanks to Palpatine and Anakin, but we don't know that. He could have you know, he could have been saved by the force. Who knows? Anyway, I thought that was a nice little uh thing uh uh to come across. Like I said, we don't know if that show is going to get a another season or not. It's kind of doubtful at this point, though. Next. Next up, Obi-Wan Kenobi will kick off the summer of 2022 as the Star Wars spinoff series now has a release date. First reported by Variety, the show will arrive May 25th on Disney+. Plus skipping the popular May the 4th holiday and instead arriving on the 45th anniversary of Star Wars A New Hope's original release. Disney CEO Bob Chapek announced the news during the company's fourth uh, quarter fourth quarter uh, earnings call Wednesday before the official Star Wars account tweeted out the news along with the first poster for the series. And with the show now right around the corner, fans should expect to see the first trailer shortly. And what I expect to hear from everyone when that first trailer drops is, hello there. <laughs> Indeed. So, yes. Um, yeah, sure. That, that's the way to do that one, then. I'm really looking forward to this, but I still don't know what that show is actually going to be. HBO Max not moving ahead with the Boom Blocks reboot, sadly. Um, so, as, according to sources familiar with Sony Pictures Animation, the highly anticipated reboot of the Boom Docks is no longer happening at HBO Max. Uh, as Deadline reported, Aaron Magruder's uh, animated comedy will not be returning despite receiving a two-season order from HBO in, in 2019. The show was originally set to return with a 50-minute special back in fall 2020, but that never materialized. Uh, Sony is reportedly in the process of figuring out other options for more Boondocks, which originally aired for four seasons on Cartoon Network, as most folks play know. Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing was kind of weird anyway, because one, John Witherspoon's passed, 
and that was kind of a you know that's kind of a major character. I know they were trying to get his son to play the part, and just, and I think he's pretty much come and said he probably wouldn't do it because you know for reasons. Uh, I can't remember if Avery Magruder. I think Avery Magruder supposed to had come back for this, where in whereas he did not in that last season, which is probably why that last season was kind of weak. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sad to see this not happen, but maybe it'll come back at some for you know for some reason, some way. Next up, all righty, Halle Berry. Shout out to Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Teases a John Wick spinoff for her character. So she's talked about a potential spinoff. And uh, she tells IGN that Sophia is not in the next John Wick movie. There could possibly be a Sophia her own movie. So she might not be in John Wick, but she might be doing her own thingy thingy. So while the John Wick franchise so far consists of three films with a fourth on the way, there's also more than one spinoff in the works. So the TV show titled The Continental is one of those spinoffs that focuses on a young Winston. And uh, Anna de Armas has reportedly been cast in Ballerina, a film about an assassin out for revenge against her family's killers. So uh, we'll see that John Wick universe start to expand. For good or for ill. Uh, Futurama revived at Hulu with the original cast, possibly sans uh, John DiMaggio, uh, at least at, at this point. So, yeah, looks like there's... Futurama is rising from the dead once again Uh, let's see Hulu has finalized a deal for 20 new episodes um, to premiere in 2023 and it looks like everybody's back like I said except for at this point John DiMaggio who played Bender Uh, and I believe I saw another article saying that well, yeah, there you go. Related story here is Bender voice actor John DiMaggio rallies fans frustrated by recasting. So did, I guess he got recasted or they he's not getting the money he wants. So he's stoking fire to flames or something so he can come back. We don't I don't have no idea. Regardless, hey, future Futurama fans rejoice because I know there's a couple out there. Next. All right, next. It looks like we're about to run go into uh, one of our newer segments on the Comic Book Chronicles. That is the Anime Corner. So, mm-hmm. we got to have a transition for that. In uh, our first bit of news in Anime Corner, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures official Twitter account announced that it will be holding a special event at this year's Anime Japan convention on March 26th with the voice of Jolene I.A. Firuz set to appear along with a number of other cast members that make up the colorful characters of the Stone Ocean. I need to get a JoJo's uh, clip, and I know just, well, one of the two to get. So stay tuned for that coming up at some point. Uh, Attack on Titan Season 4. Apparently, the actor who plays Aaron, Aaron, excuse me, lost his voice. Aaron Yeager! During uh, voice recording of Episode 80. Uh, 
So let's see. This, uh, we know where this is. Y'all know Attack on Titan, so I don't even have to. Don't know why they have to do this preamble in this article, but um, season four, part two, the final season premiered in January of this year on various streaming platforms. Uh, the most recent episodes are currently available in Japanese on those on search places. Let's see. What is his name? Yuki Kaji. You have it in your notes, the, the, the quick summary. Yeah, I know. And I just uh, I should have looked over there, but I also have this um the 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 the, the video up. So anyway, um Sakaji so declosed his thoughts on the episode on the episode. Oh yeah, Yuki Kaji is right there in the, the thing, the tweet. Uh about the episode on Twitter just before it premieres. The actor revealed that he couldn't have imagined working on this episode and uh struggled while figuring out how to perform it. Kaji, uh, Kaji hypes up the episode, sharing that he lost his voice while recording it. Uh, he compares the damage done to his voice for episode 80 to other times he strained it while bringing Eren to life, concluding that this episode was the worst. Um, and, uh, of course, he has his, his tweet, there, tweet there that unless you know Japanese or the translation is any decent uh, on it, you will not know what he said. <laughs> so... There you go. Next up. Hello, Google Translate. Next up, Attack on Titan will return to Toonami to finish off the show's final season. Toonami announced on its official Facebook profile that Attack on Titan, the final season, part two, will be the next show to join the programming block's late night schedule. The network will air the first episode from part two, episode 76, sentencing on February 13th, 2022 at 12.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The show will be sandwiched between two other new additions to Toonami's anime lineup, the video game adaptation Shenmue, which will air its first episode on February 5th, and the second season of Assassination Classroom, which premiered on the network earlier this year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, boop. Final Demon Slayer uh, um, episode will be extended finale. So that is the episode that is coming up this coming Sunday. It will be a 45-minute extended finale of uh, the uh, Entertainment District arc. Because the way that Joker ended this last Sunday, there is no way in the world there couldn't have been another one. They were going to expect people to hold off for any longer than that. Um, so I know I've seen, um, uh, well, there's definitely been people asking if there's going to be more after this arc and there's definitely room for it because usually a season of an anime is usually 20. Well, most, most are at least 24 to 26. And I think season one of Demon Slayer was 26 episodes. And I partially can't see them going, not doing that this time, which means that with this, Although this could be the exception to the rule, uh, from what I understand, well, from what I've seen, there's been seven, so 17 episodes. This next one will be 18 episodes, which would still leave room for eight, like eight or nine episodes to make 26 if they were going to go that route. And you can fit an arc, another arc in eight or nine episodes. The first arc of this season was eight episodes, and that was just retelling Mugen Train. Right. So... Right. But at the same time, we're dealing with the after effects of that initial freeze 
exactly. on work because of the uh, the COVID nineteen surge in Japan. So, exactly. you know, and we're still dealing with you know we're still not out of the woods yet. So, at the end of the day, we're working on you know the you know the uh, you know the animation studios are all working on a different schedule. So. Whether or not we're going to get the full allotment of episodes or we're going to get something slightly abbreviated just so that we can, uh, you know, work within the, the constraints that exist at the moment. Uh, well, you know, that remains to be seen. Right. Or it could be just like they did with uh, Attack on Titan and they split up the season. Right. So, so. we don't know because we don't we we only know that this is going to be into this arc and that's all we have so far. Mm hmm. Next. Alrighty, next up, uh, Bleach creator Tite Kubo uh, says that the upcoming Thousand Year Blood War anime will feature new elements that expand the story of the original manga. Uh, Bleach fans who experienced the ending of the series through the manga may still have something new to see when the Thousand Year Blood War anime premieres. According to Bleach Daily Scans, Tite Kubo, the original creator... Uh, recently confirmed in a Q&A with his fan club that the Thousand Year Blood War anime will feature new content and elements of the story that were previously left out of his manga. Specifically, he re- stated that the anime will finally reveal who attacked... Oh, there's a bunch of spoilers here. I have not watched this yet, so I, I'm not familiar you do, with it, so I'm going remember. to forego talking about that stuff. Yeah, like I said, if you're like me, you won't remember by the time you get to this point. Because there's a lot of bleach. <laughs> yeah, there's 366 episodes according yes. to this uh, article. So, yeah, that is quite a bit of anime. Yeah, I, I, I keep wanting to go back to bleach because I, I did enjoy it, even with the filler stuff that, that they had. Although it was the filler stuff that I kind of bounced off of, which coincidentally was called Bounce. So, go figure. Um... Or at least, yeah, somewhere in there, I definitely know. And that's like 70-something 70 episodes in some, at some point. But yeah, Bleach was really good. I liked it. And, and I'll probably go back into it, knowing that this is a thing. Either way, um, I think this is the last... Oops, stop it. Of both the anime corner and cinematic news. Magic the Gathering is getting a special anime from Wit Studio. So uh, it says here, if you're a fan of trading cards, there's a pretty good chance you know Magic the Gathering. I think we've already established that earlier. Uh, the TGCG has been operating for decades. You already know this, but keep moving along. It says that um, I think in line with the new expansion that they're coming up, the, the short story is, which is called uh, Kamigawa Shining World. Uh, it's kind of a cyberpunk slash, um, I guess, kind of anime inspired in a way from what I've seen of it um, that and it's coming out soon so I guess in line with that they're coming out with uh, oh yeah it says here they're pushing ahead with a set of OVAs which are original videos um, uh, original video animation so uh, which fans of anime know know what those are about um, so that being the case Let's see. Studio West doing the anim- doing the um, animated with uh, Maxilla, so you know the animation is going to be gorgeous. According to this article, it doesn't say. Oh, here we go. These animated specials are the first to tackle Magic the Gathering, but they're not the last. Um, there was supposed to be a Netflix. I think the the Russo brothers were supposed to be doing a Netflix uh, anime. Uh, with Magic the Gathering. I don't know if that is still going on, but 
But it, according to this article, it also says that, yeah, Netflix is pursuing its own anime focused on the TCG. Later, Scissors Magic Together will star Brandon Routh as Gideon Jura, uh, who's a planeswalker. Uh, and some might know who that is. Um, let's see. So, yeah, and a couple of little bits and pieces, but we don't know that much more uh, else about it that outside of the fact that it's a thing. So, hey, I'll watch it. <laughs> I like anime. I like Magic Gathering. Win-win mm. for me. Uh, and that is it for the cinematic and corner and uh, anime corner. We move on to the books uh, news. And with that, we start off with the, the Yankee Anime X-Men trading card celebrates 30, 30th anniversary of Jim Lee's legendary X-Men art. So it says here in 1992, Marvel Entertainment commissioned Jim Lee, the young superstar penciler behind X-Men number one. Surely y'all know who that is. Um, the best settling sync. We know X-Men number one sold a shitload in 1991. We get it. We know. Um, and there was a set of trading cards that would go on to become one of the most celebrated in Marvel history and the gold standard for non-sporting uh, trading card artwork and design says here you can celebrate the 30th anniversary of Jim Lee's legendary trading card art with uncanny X-Men trading cards to complete series as agent 70 is probably going to pull out his set. Yep. Heck yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. As I, um, let me give full focus to agent 70 on this one. Well, you can show Heck it off. Yeah. Oops, I got to turn off my virtual background. Hold on. Uh, oh wait, that's the wrong. There we go. Let me turn Here we go. Off and do that. Heck yeah! Look at this. There we go. Look at that. The first set of no, the first uh, nine cards right here. So I've got a complete set of these cards. And what's cool about this? This is apparently a digest size, so it's going to be a little bit smaller, mm. but uh, it's going to have. Uh, a complete set of the cards inside, you know, images of the cards front and back, and it's going to have um, some of the original art scanned in as well. You know, we've seen some of that in the uh, the IDW artist edition of Jim Lee's X-Men stuff. Right. But we're probably going to see some of that in this card set uh, um, book as well. So it uh, the collection arrives on July 5th. And uh, if you pre-order it now, it's going to cost you the the cover price of twenty four ninety nine. You can tell that I put the story into the news. Oh, did you? Because I thought I did. Oh, I definitely put the story in the news. Okay. Um. Wait. Then what? Okay. Never mind. Um, no, I definitely did that. So I, let I, me take no, the I'm next not, one. I am not. I'm not uh, denying that. But I thought I had something. I thought I either had that or something in. But, Unless there's a double story afterwards, uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, wait, so wait, so is it, so is it just the six cards plus whatever bonus cards they're saying in the, in this? Was there was the complete set of six cards, or no? It's 105 cards. Oh, but no. But my point is the 105 card. It's you know it's a picture book basically of all 105 cards front and back. Right. Okay. Oh wait, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I was. Oh, you know what? I was thinking it was that they basically redoing the the uh, the cards. That's what I was thinking. Okay, that's kind of blunt because 
as a person who likes trading cards of, of that sort, and I do have some in here for, for some covers. Um, Did you pick uh, up any when they first came out? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, even know about these ones. That's too bad. Yeah. Like I said, around, and around this time, like I said, I was too busy in school or whatever the fuck. So right, right, right. No, yeah, I was about to say, definitely, you know, I was, you know this is uh, high school for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, definitely. But what I was going to say is you can still get these. You know, they're not that expensive to, to get, you know, like a set of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it gets more expensive if you're trying to get the uh, the full hologram, the hologram, the chase holograms that come with it, too. Sure. But, um, you know, it's actually not that difficult to get a full set of these. But, uh, you know, they're still fun to look at. I, I have my full set, and I'm glad to have it. Gotcha. Uh, but, you know, if, if, you're, if you just want to take a look at the art, you know, this book might be a good avenue to go. Sure. Um, move uh, right along. All right, next up. Uh, Shang-Chi accepts his fate as master of the Ten, the ten Rings in the Marvel Universe. So... Uh, you know, we have here an instance where the MCU is uh, inspiring some changes in the Marvel 616. So in a press release distributed this past Tuesday, Shang-Chi will now be bearer of the Ten Rings come May. Interestingly, the solicitation sent out by Marvel even compared the Ten Rings with the aforementioned uh, Infinity Stones. So I don't know. I don't think these ten rings are going to be the same rings as the Mandarin's ten rings. It doesn't seem to be the case, but we also know that, as we have said when we've been talking about Shang Chi, like they have definitely been paralleling the um, the movie, uh, the comic to the movie, and this is pretty mm-hmm. much furthering that, right? In a way right, that right, right. I'm kind of not liking, but. It, it is well, it depends is. on how they integrate it. That's the thing. You know, sure. it's weird because Shang-Chi in his first incarnation in the comic books was such an interesting spy character. Right. And now we're getting into him being an actual, you know, like kind of boosting his power level so that he can be on par with some of the other superheroes of the Marvel Universe. And that can get a little bit. You know that that can make the adjustment a very uh, a little tough. Let's right. put it that way. Right, but we've even said that doesn't. That's not necessarily a thing that they should have to do. You know, but you know, we'll like like you said, we'll have to see how the, how the, how it bears out. But yeah, I don't right. Know. But I definitely understand why it. We don't. We may not think it's necessary as fans of the character, right. but I definitely understand the thinking behind it. I guess. Move right along. Um, Fantastic Four's rest, Reckoning War's deadliest, deadly new villain violently murders a Watchman. This is, um, um, I guess, a preview of uh, Fantastic Four 40, which is coming up soon. Uh, I think, what, next week, isn't it? Um, Not sure. Yeah. I know it's soon, because Alpha just came out last week. But, um... So yeah, basically, um, uh, CBR got an exclusive preview of Fantastic Four number forty, uh, and it introduces the new uh, a new a new villain that ends, uh, immediately kills an obscure Watcher, which I think we this is the villain we saw in the Alpha, um, at the end of the Alpha issue, 
and this article kind of goes into uh, who this um, this villain is. Uh, and if you want to go into to, to see uh, about that, then you can read the, this this article. I won't go into it because we'll be talking about that when that when that uh, comes out next. All right, next week is Fantastic Four number forty. You are correct. Okay. I was just looking at the Diamond uh, website. All right. All righty. Uh, next up, Iron Fist number one introduces Danny Rand's mysterious replacement. So uh, in this book by Alyssa Wong, Michael YG, and uh, J. David Ramos, uh, you know what we're looking at here is a preview of uh, Iron Fist number one. So you know we'll we'll find out more about uh, this new Iron Fist because uh, what we find out here is that Danny Rand critiques the new Iron Fist saying that he's missing the heart of the dragon, the chi of Shaolau. So it's definitely going to be a different Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we probably know who it is, but that's not to say that that could be very well who it could be given right. recent events. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay, we said we was going to skip this one. And uh, Marvel hypes Captain Carver- Carter's solo series with an explosive trailer. Uh, so the trailer teases the setup for Captain Carter number one, where, like Steve Rogers in the mainstream continuity, a frozen Peggy Carter is thawed out in the present day. Uh, describing Carter as "quote unquote" the super soldier heroine of uh, World War II, who now finds herself uh, a woman out of time. The trailer shows her fighting goons, mourning beside a grave, blocking an RPG uh, rocket, and partnering up with a government agent version of what seems to what appears to be X Men's Betsy Braddock, which kind of makes sense since they're both British, I guess. Um. So yeah, comic trailers for comic books still trip me the freak out. Mm. Even now, like we've had, we've seen a few of them here and there, but, but they still, like, it's still weird to see them. Like it's a trailer for a comic book. We never had it back in the day. <laughs> but again, we didn't have YouTube back in the day, so back in my exactly. day, we didn't have a means of distribution for that. Exactly. So, so there's the thing. Uh, you can check it out uh, in the article. Next up. Move over, Bucky. Marvel unveils a brand new Winter Soldier, but this is coming in the pages of a new upcoming Spider-Man 2099 series. So that series is going to introduce new versions of classic comic book characters, including the Winter Soldier. And that's essentially all you need to know. This debut is in Spider-Man 2099, Exodus number one. Okay. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Spider-Man Ghost Rider 2099 return in uh, 30th anniversary series. So yeah, we we know that it's uh, Ghost Rider's 30th anniversary, and they're kind of doing some stuff on there doing. So I guess there's going to be a Ghost Rider 2099. Um, was there already a Ghost Rider 2099? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, I don't know. I never kept up with uh, 2099 stuff. I never bought it, but I knew, you know, I saw it on the, on the shelf, so. Gotcha. Uh, 
So yeah, Marvel Comics has announced a new Spider-Man 2099 series in anticipation of that fu- of that future's um, 30th anniversary. In the first release, Marvel announced a new series, which is written by uh, Steve Orlando and illustrated by Paul Fry, David Watcher, Marco Castillo, Zay Carlos, Alessandro Mercola, and Kim Jacinto. It's slated for May. Uh, the first issue is called Spider-Man 2099 X's uh, Alpha Number One, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's still going to be Miguel Herrera, but apparently Ghost Rider 2099 is going to show up there also. Next, Marvel announces a scroll-filled Secret Invasion sequel. Oi. The sequel explores if the Skrulls learned from the last time they tried to infiltrate Earth's mightiest heroes and the Earth. So, uh, announced by IGN, a five-issue miniseries of the same name is set to release later in 2022. Written by Ryan North and drawn by Francesco Mobili, the title will explore Nick Fury and Maria Hill dealing with another Skrull invasion with the Earth's mightiest heroes more prepared after the last time although readers will see if they were truly ready. However, North claims that the title will not be as universe-shattering as its predecessor, but more grounded and focused. Okay. Sure. And just in time for the Secret Invasion um, uh, Disney Plus show, that'll probably be sometime in the next year. Sure. Uh, Let's see. Star Wars writer uh, promises more Knights of Ren backstory. So according to Charles, oh, Stone, do we need it? Do we need it really? <laughs> That's just editorializing on the uh, part yes. of Agent Underscore Seventy. I'm sorry to interrupt. Carry no, on. No, no, it's it's fine because honestly, I thought the same thing, kind of. Um, but according to Charles Souls, uh, Charles Souls, excuse me, fans hoping to get more background inf- information on the enigmatic Knights of Ren will have plenty to chew on in the near future. Um, as folks may know, Soul is writing Star Wars and um, just the main Star Wars series. Actually, I think he's writing a couple of things and a coordinate of novels and blah 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 blah. Um, as well as the writer of the five issue crossover event series Star Wars: The Crimson Rain, which is still going on. Um, previously, Soul and artist Will Sliney created the character Ren, the original founder of the Light Knights of Ren, uh, who was featured prominently in the four-issue limited series uh, Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren, uh, which Marvel... Without was... Stimpy! Boo. <laughs> Boo. Um, <laughs> so, on Twitter, a pair of Star Wars fans were discussing how very little has been revealed about the Knights of Ren since uh, 2015 Star Wars The Force Awakens, uh, despite the film seemingly setting up to be a bigger deal. And that's kind of true. One user pointed out that Soul fleshed out the Knights of Ren and the Rise of Kylo Ren, though the other asserted that fans are still barely know anything, quote-unquote, about the group. I guess if you don't see him in some movie, you don't see him at all. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I guess Charles Soul's check says, uh, you should check out Crimson Rain number four and Star Wars 25, Soul wrote. That'll give you more to work on, work with. Um, on that note, Soul previously teased big plans for Star Wars 25 in particular. Uh, quote unquote, got confirmation that I'll be doing that I'll be able to do something very cool for Star Wars 25, my 100th comic set in a galaxy far, far away. 
the writer tweeted last month, will be him getting the band back, the bands back together. So Max Rebo coming to you. Huh? You heard it here first. I don't know. Anyway, next up. Next up, Mark Guggenheim is writing Star Wars, Han Solo, and Chewbacca, and he has confirmed that the upcoming Marvel comic book series will feature some major guest stars in the form of Kira from Solo, A Star Wars Story, and Black Chrysanthemum, I mean Chrysanthemum, who recently made his live-action debut in the book of Boba Fett. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, um, if you're interested, folks that are interested in the clickbait section, there is a, I guess, a more full interview that's also from CBR with Mark Guggenheim about this book. Um, uh, artist calls out Marvel for altering artwork of Asian characters' eyes. And I saw this tweet uh, like yesterday. Um, so... Actually, I shouldn't be surprised that somebody picked it up as an article. Uh, artist Greg Smallwood criticized Marvel for changing multiple panels of his artwork, largely depicting the eyes of Asian characters, for an upcoming issue of Electra, Black, White, and Blood. Quote, unquote, sad to say that, without my approval, Marvel attempted to fix several panels of my art in issue two of Electra, Black, uh, White, and Blood before sending it to the printers. Uh, Smallwood wrote alongside an image of his original art and the altercation, alterations made by Marvel's editorial bullpen. They're not huge changes, but I really don't like my art being tampered with. Uh, end quote. So, yeah. And uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the tweet where he uh, where he says this. Uh, I guess that he did put in another tweet that says, long story short, two months uh, after turning in the finished pages, I was informed by my editors that Marvel standards practice and practices flagged my art and requested that I redraw several panels so they would be, quote unquote, within tolerances for best representation of Asian characters. So that was a part of this, this tweet that I did not see uh, originally. So there is that. So I guess there was a follow up. And, and a reasoning for it, because that was the thing of like he mentioned that, but it didn't. But no one came out with a reason for it. So, and then he did some more follow up tweets. But you can read all of that in um, in this article. Next up, all right. Uh, next up, oh my goodness. DC's newest Joker is a dinosaur with a Heath Ledger inspired look. Good grief. <laughs> DC. DC Comics debuted its newest Joker in Jurassic League, a limited series that reimagines the Justice League as dinosaurs. Written by Daniel Warren Johnson, who uh, we know did the cool Beta Ray Bill miniseries recently over at Marvel, and drawn by Juan Gadeon. Jurassic League is a six-issue limited series that reimagines the heroes of the Justice League as dinosaurs. Of course, where there are heroes, there are also villains. With this version of the Joker modeled after Ledger's iconic portrayal in The Dark Knight. Uh, let's see. Yeah, kind of creepy looking. Roddy Cat is probably showing it to you right now. Mm -hmm. This book is on sale May 10th, 2022. Yeah. The, the Justice League as um, dinosaurs. No wonder they're killing it. They're killing the book. Um, that is. Anyway, 
DC announces Dark Crisis as its next DCU event series. So, uh, DC is going to have another crisis because we haven't had one in what a year, two years. Let's stop. Um, <laughs> um, and it will spin out from an upcoming. Somehow, event. it's always a crisis. Exactly. Uh, and will spin out of the. It's never death. just a problem. It's never just. <laughs> it's never just uh, 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 an issue. It's always a full blown crisis. Uh huh. Indeed. I'm just. I'm. I'm just. I'm just uh, venting a little bit because uh, it's not just a crisis this year. It's. A and I'm I'm, I'm 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 uh, teeing it up for you. This year, it's another kind of crisis. Yes, it's a dark crisis. Dun, dun, bum, bum. <laughs> so yes, that is the next big event, and it will spin out of the upcoming death of the Justice League, which we've already talked about, uh, and connect major ish major stories since uh, Infinite Frontier Zero, which I still have not read. Um, so announced by DC, Dark Crisis is a seven-issue event that starts in June. The main book, which releases monthly, will be written by Joshua Williamson uh, and illustrated by uh, Daniel Sampier. Uh, Alexandro Sanchez will color the title with uh, Tom uh, Napotiliano. I apologize for butchering that name, folks. Uh, doing the lettering. So, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and take this next one because this is related. Uh, matter of fact, I think they even said it in this issue, uh, in this article. So there's going to be a free comic book day issue, which is going to be the prologue to this, uh, dark, uh, prologue, dark crisis. So, uh, look out on free comic book day 2022, um, you know, for, for this book. I don't know if it says when the book is going to, Yeah. Leads directly into the one-shot Justice League Road to Dark Crisis number one, which goes on sale May 31st and showcases a stunning creator, uh, array of creators. Um, and then, of course, the seven-issue Dark Crisis limited series is going to come shortly after that in June. And... Okay. May 7th, 2022, looks like, for this uh, free comic book day uh, special issue. Look forward to that if you're ready for another crisis. Next up. Okay, what are we up to now? DC's Resurrection. DC's Resurrection of a Major Batman Villain opens a giant plot hole question. Not really. Not really. If you haven't been keeping up with the expanded Batman universe within DC's line, there have been some big developments for key characters in Batman's life, such as Jim Gordon and the Joker... And they've been locked in an international game of manhunt in DC's Joker series. Now, with Joker number 12 is out this week, we finally get to the heart of the case. So, spoilers for this week's Joker number 12. Um, we find out who's behind the A-Day massacre at Arkham Asylum and the true mastermind who sent him chasing Joker. As it turns out, the person backing the mysterious woman, Cressida Clark, and her Court of Owls cohorts is none other than... Um, wait, wait, wait. You can't say it that way. You have to say it like this. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I, now, just just by me saying it that way, now you know who it was. Yes, you think darkness is your ally? I was born <laughs> in the darkness. <laughs> yes, yes. There you go. Uh, yes, indeed. So yes, it was Bane, and apparently this is a conflict with Tess. I guess a test for test for Z that book, which I don't know if that actually is the case, but maybe also explained because of that book. I don't know. Cause I have no idea what's going on in that Joker book or test force Z outside of that. The latter book deals with zombies. I don't even know if that's like in, you know, uh, main, main canon, main, main, uh, universe series or not. So any who's, Oh, nope, that's not what I was looking for. Um, think. Uh, Aquaman and Super Supergirl's f- final issues lead next week's new DC releases. So two limited series come to a close next week from DC Comics. Both Aquaman the Becoming and Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number eight are among comic book releases uh, on Tuesday, marking the conclusion for both the series. Uh, one of these books, as 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 I kind of alluded to earlier, goes into the Aquaman uh, event, uh, and that would be Aquaman: The Becoming, which stars uh, Jackson Hyde. Um, while Supergirl's future remains to remains yet to be seen. Um, Woman of T- Tomorrow writer Tom King will be releasing a new limited series in March, though uh, Batman: Killing Time, which focuses on Batman, Catwoman, the Riddler, and Penguin. Um, and yeah, apparently because of this article, there's going to be other stuff, uh, going on next week, uh, other books going on next week also. So, and let's see the, to shift over to the other Tom of DC comics writer, Tom Tyler begins his first crossover for Nightwing, which we may have talked about before with, uh, him and John Kent and, um, and, uh, Nightwing 89, and conclude in Superman, Son of Kal-El, uh, number nine, which, wait, didn't eight come out this week? I'm not sure. I think so. Um, uh, and, uh, see, Flash 779, Wonder Woman 774, Woman, uh, Nubia, and the Amazon number five. Also, which I think that might be the last of that book also going into that Wonder Woman event. Um, for, and, uh, but that's also coming out next week. So yeah, there's going to be some stuff regardless, uh, all said and done. Next up. All righty. Next up, uh, DC Comics is making Static Shock Rebirth of the Cool available to read for free, free 99 on DC Universe Infinite. All fans should have to do is register and they can read the first issue without paying a penny. Static has only become more popular over time. Just last year at DC Fandom, the company announced a big initiative to get Milestone Media back rolling any plans to bring back those iconic characters had to have static front and center rebirth of the cool is written by Dwayne McDuffie with ink and pencils by John Paul Leon rest in peace to both of those legends milestone media brain trust member Reginald Hudlin talked to the fans about how they were approaching all these characters okay yeah so yeah it's out there if you're if you're interested and want to read it all you gotta do is sign up if you haven't already for DC DC Infinite. Not a plug, just saying. Um, DC's "I Am Batman" series claims New York with official banners, and I wish while we when we had talked about "I Am Batman," probably should have played like 
five seconds of uh, Empire State of Mind, but you know, maybe a little overkill. Um, so yeah, apparently there were some real live posters in New York. Um, I didn't see any, but I, I'll take the articles. You know, I'll take the writer's word for it. Yeah, uh, it says um, DC's. Comments. If I will get you ten, I'll see it like Sunday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like walking around, be like, "Oh, look at that! There it is." Right. So it says here, um, yeah, there's a series that's popping up around New York City to separate to celebrate Jace Fox becoming New York's Batman. These quote unquote wild postings advertise the upcoming release of uh, I Am Batman Number Six, which just came out this week, as we already talked about earlier. Uh, the banners feature artwork from Taryn Clark uh, that showed Jason costume, but with his face revealed. Um, if you're watching the video, it's probably the same one that you're seeing in the video version with a, with a QR code um, to get uh, I Am Batman number six. So let's see. DC is running uh, the campaign throughout Wednesday through excuse me Wednesday, February 16th. Um, as I've said, uh, I am Batman number six is already on sale because we talked about it earlier. So yeah, if you do happen to see, if you are a New Yorker, uh, outside of, uh, agent 70 and you see these, um, I would say I expect to see pictures, but you know, <laughs> you go about you, you go about you agent 70. If you happen to see this somewhere, you let me know. Will do next up. All right, you can now have Optimus Prime read you a bedtime story. Um, you'll need to have access to the immensely popular meditation, relaxation, sleep assistant app, Calm, to hear Optimus narrate a sleep story, which the company describes as being soothing tales that mix music, sound effects, and incredible voice talent to help you drift into dreamland. The story is titled History of the Transformers, which doesn't seem like a story that would be easy to drift off to, given that the vast majority majority of it has to do with the endless wars between the Autobots and the Decepticons. Uh, that said, Optimus is played by Peter Cullen, that's cool, whose deep, low, soothing voice seems absolutely tailor-made to lull just about anyone to sleep, no matter what he's reading. You can get a too-brief 30-second preview of the sleep story over at Com and hear for yourself. I mean, it's kind of true. Like Peter Peter Cullen as as Optimus, his voice is it is kind of like you know what if he's just kind of saying things, reading a phone book or something. It's like yeah, I can see you being able to fall asleep to that. Absolutely. So, I don't have this app, so I probably won't be able to take part of it. But I guess I'll check out the thirty second second clip. I just hit play on it just to hear what it sounds like. My friend, I've been hoping to talk with you. All right. That's all we needed to hear. We don't want to get in trouble. That's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. So there you go. It's it's, it's not a go to to sleep by, um, (laughs) by, um, by, um, oh, shoot. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Samuel Jackson. But hey, it's, it's something. Uh, anyway. Uh, Mattel expands He-Man's origins line to celebrate Black, Latino, and Asian Masters of the Universe. In celebration of the 40th anniversary of He-Man's Masters of the Universe, Mattel will release a new line of figures featuring Sun Man and the Rulers of the Sun. 
uh, in spring 2022, Sun Man and the Rulers of the Sun line will join several other Masters of the Universe uh, tour lines, including Masters of the Universe Origins, which is inspired by the original He-Man toys of the 80s, as well as the new Masters of the Universe Masterverse line. Um, apparently, these were created in 1985. Uh, or Sun Man is one of the quote-unquote pioneering uh, black action figures. Wait. Ilya Eason is the person who created uh, Sun Man. It's one of the pioneering black action figures and is joined by Digitino, a Latino computer wizard, and Space Sumo, an Asian telekinetic, telekinetic ninja. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see a um, picture of all the uh, folks in the line. And I'll just go ahead and scroll through these pictures. Why does Sun Man look like Keenan Thompson in a in a you know you know what I'm stop. Um So yeah, there you go. There's Sun Man. I've never heard of these, I'll be honest. I've never heard of these. Have you? Nope. Yeah. Um I will side note to say that by the way, um Kitty Black Perkins, who was the first uh the the first black woman to design a Barbie, uh, the black woman Barbie designer. I was pointed out, not saying that she was the one who invented Barbie, but uh, her birthday is in three days, and apparently I did not know this, but she's a South Carolina native. So shout out to her, and her birthday is in three days as of this uh, recording, or I guess two days of this recording. So shout out to her um, if you're interested in Barbies. Last but not least, though. All righty, oh, last but not least, on... fan favorite Valiant Heroes, Archer and Armstrong, will return this spring in Archer and Armstrong Forever. The publisher announced on Monday. Uh, uh, let's see here. Archer and Armstrong Forever is the latest series to spin out of the publisher's The Year of Valiant event, a year long campaign focused on revitalizing the, their line. Uh, all right. I gotta open the article, I guess, to get the uh, the publication date. Hmm. While you're doing that, I was going to say, uh, real quick that hey, Toys Are Made is uh, Netflix is a really good series. It doesn't necessarily go in uh, to Kitty, Kitty Black Perkins or that whole Sun Man business, uh, with, with He Man. Hey, it's a good watch. It's an excellent watch. You should definitely watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Yes, that would also. Uh, Archer and Armstrong Forever number one will be on sale on May 4th at comic shops and online. Uh, the first issue will have a limited one in 250 burnt wood variant cover because, of course, it will. Okay. I'm sure that makes sense to Archer and Armstrong fans, I guess. Yep. And that, folks excuse me, is the end of the news section. How about hit us up with one more ad read? You know what we read when it's late and I'm tired. Help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. 
that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as I find myself putting in something else in the clickbait section of the show, we would like to thank each and every one of you uh, fine folks for uh, coming through, whether it's uh, watching the show live recorded or after the fact in audio or video form. We appreciate it. You know, let us know, you know, how we're doing. I mean, granted, we've been doing this for like eight, nine years, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> we're still doing it regardless one way or another so but you know we like the feedback um positively hopefully that'd be nice everyone needs f- positive feedback every now and then you know what i mean whether they say so or not uh that being said i have been riding cat i'm sorry you had something to say no i was just gonna quote uh mary j blige who's gonna be performing at the super bowl halftime show this weekend when we you know went w- w- with uh one of her uh, classic lines, we don't need no hateration. <laughs> or holleration, exactly. In That's the right. dancery. In the dance, exactly. <laughs> in the dancery. As in, you know, this dance soiree. Exactly. Yes. And hopefully we will definitely get to see Mary's quote unquote dance. Because <laughs> we know Mary cannot dance, but still, we love it anyway. But she has her own dance, which exactly. is unique to her. Exactly. And, and, and we're, and, as bad as it is, we'd love to see it. Anyway, um, like I said, this has been Comic Chronicles. I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 you can find on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and all those umbrella sites therein. Uh, Tim D O G G nine eight the Osiris of this ish. You can find him on Twitter at uh, uh, Tim D E D M. Tim D O G G nine eight. You can also find him at CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. Um, you can also find him at theclicknation.com. Uh, you can also find him more likely at uh, writing his face off over at comicbook.com. Go over there and check out my man's, uh, our man's work. He's doing some good stuff over there. I don't know if he had any, any articles this week, but, uh, or, or at least that I pulled, but Hey, check him out anyway. Like that. Um, you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Remember to click like and subscribe and leave us five star reviews. Yeah. You can also find this recording every Thursday night, unless there's movie protocol, um, at the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. And simultaneously at twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, remember to hit like, subscribe, and uh, hit the follow button and the, uh, the notification button so you know when we're on. Yeah, definitely, especially the uh, the the Twitch channel because we want to do some more stuff up there, but we can't get seem to get to the point 
of where we can because they have a they have a gate for us to do that. Uh, so it would be nice if we can get to that, get a few more followers so we can do that stuff. Um, yeah. That, folks, being said, folks, uh, we're out of here. Uh, we will be back next week. Like I said, same time, bad time, same bad channel. The Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, yay, sports ball. Um, no more Book of Boba Fett. We got Peacemaker to talk about next week, uh, and that's going to be pretty much it to start off. So, yeah. This has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. And knowing is half the battle. Good evening, friend. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your